This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Wednesday, the 8th of July, so it's a busy day. Yesterday was a busy day. Yesterday was a sad day. Today could be a sad day as well, but for completely different reasons, because it's budget day. There could be tax cuts for millions. They've leaked little bits and pieces, haven't they, about the budget? You'll hear it live on LBC. It's tube strike day. You're going to need to be tuned to LBC to find out what the hell's going on. Misery for millions. And why do we have to suffer? Because it's something to do with they want extra money for working overnight. So I can't understand it. You don't want to work overnight. Sod off and go and let somebody else do it. The Britas Empire is going to rise again on the BBC. And in sickness and selfies, we do do attention-seeking. The Danjooks again. What a dreary pair they are. Why don't they just go away and stay away? Uh, also, a Briton is gored in Pamplona. Good. Good. Couldn't be happier. Could not be happier. Being an animal lover, I absolutely abhor what the Spanish do in Pamplona. They have the bull run. That's where a lot of simpletons run in front of bulls who are stampeding because they're frightened out of their life. And so every time if somebody gores somebody or kills them, I kind of cheer. You know, I always think if you're stupid enough to run with the bulls in Pamplona, as far as I'm concerned, the bulls need to be armed with 12-bore shotguns. Take them out properly. Uh, Lamp says he's ready to marry Christine. Please, God, shut up about it, you silly little man. Why don't you just go and marry her? Nobody cares about you. Nobody's interested in her. Nobody cares. You know, just take her away somewhere, get married, and then just disappear, for God's sake. I talk about disappearing. Maria Sharapova. Hello, dear. I'm sorry. Are we having an orgasm on the court? Oh, you know, is there something you're not telling us? Goodness sake, honestly, I've never heard such a bunch of screeching in my entire life. Can't you hit a ball over a net without making the sound of a banshee? The Apple Watch is a real eye-flop. Apparently sales are 90% down. Have to be honest, didn't, didn't kind of float my boat. And uh, Dimbleby wrote the BBC, broke the BBC rules with his charity plea. Halfway through a feature, he started mentioning his own charity, which was a little bit naughty. Essex police have taken to having selfies taken with drunks. And Bill Cosby apparently stockpiled sedatives to subdue women. Have you heard of such a thing before? Yes, of course we have. And 45 years later, Gilbert O'Sullivan is still going strong. I can still listen to his hits and still think they're as good as they were first time round. And apart from that, I sat at home yesterday and I was going to phone my accountant. Reverse charge, of course. And and I was going to say to him, I've forgotten how much money I've got to pay in tax. And, you know, I didn't need to worry because the little brown envelope dropped onto the mat yesterday from HM's Customs and Revenue. And I thought, oh, it's either a, a nice letter from them saying, thank you very much indeed for paying your tax last time round, and here, here's a cheque for a million quid, or it's going to be the tax demand. And, you know, surprisingly, it was the latter. The tax demand came in. And so I, I always opened with some trepidation because I've been told what it is back in November. It's just that I've got the memory of a sieve, so I've got no idea what the tax bill was. I had a rough idea where it was coming from. And so I paid my tax at the end of um, January. In November, the uh, accountant has said to me, this is how much it's going to be. He said, expect next year to be significantly higher, which always worries me a little bit. So anyway, so I've, I sort of, um, I had all these things and I opened the envelope and went, oh, it's not too bad. It's not too, yeah, put it this way, I'm not, I'm not complaining about it. I cannot complain about it because it's money that I've earned and luckily I've saved because I'm a good boy. Because I do save. I like to save and the, and the older I get, you know, 39 pushing 42, I, uh, round the waist, I, um, I decided that, you know, I wanted to save money. And so, but I don't like seeing my savings dwindle. I built them up 
And I thought, and I, I was going to change the car this year because I, I built them up quite well. And I thought, I've been quite good. And I looked at a couple of cars. I thought, oh, I like that one. I don't like the colour it's in, though. I've looked at this car and it's in black. And I don't like black cars. I think black cars always look as though you should be driven. I don't think anybody should ever drive a black car unless it's possibly a, a, a Mercedes Sports or something like that. But uh, in my cars, I don't know. I don't think so. And I've looked at this car and it's, uh, it's a Mulsanne. And it's beautiful. It's enormous. I'm sure it's about half as long as my car is again. And it's got everything. It's, it's just, it's really, really nice. It's just a little bit expensive. And then I thought, if I had a respray on it, if I took it down to tungsten, which I quite like, or graphite, I like these sort of grey colours, because of the sleek lines, it might look quite good. And then I thought, oh, stop it, pay the tax bill, worry about it later. So, and then I got a bit excited. I sat in the car this morning, my phone bleeped. And what was it? It was Camelot telling me that two of my tickets from last night have produced winners. All I could say is it better be something serious. Don't bother me if it's going to be something like £6.30. I'm not remotely interested in £6.30. I'm not remotely interested in 60000 quid, although it would be very useful. But I'd quite like... So in fact, if it was 60000 quid, we can do, do the car quite quickly. But uh, unless it's going to be something like £6 million, don't don't bother. I couldn't care less. I really couldn't. And the weather was not too bad. It's quite good. It's quite nice. And uh, today we'll tell you what it is a little bit later on. There are some stories in the papers today because they're all... Well, they don't even have to guess on the budget. I think most of it's been leaked anyway. So there's, there's uh, tax cuts, they say, for loads of people. A £30 billion budget cut. And this is going to be the boldest budget yet. What they say they're going to do is they're going to shake up Britain's creaking tax and benefit system. Well, certainly the benefit system. I've long been a fan of shaking that up and taking people off benefit, getting people back into work. I don't think just taking you off benefits gets you back into work at all. But I think we have to have a we have to have a culture and we have to have a mentality whereby the moment we keep handing money out, there's this huge family, isn't there? And I was I was trying to rack my brains as to thinking why they get so much benefit. And the truth of the matter is he works part time. And because he works part time, he knows exactly how to play the system. So he gets 19 grand a year working part time, which takes him under the threshold. So they qualify for more benefits. She's going to spend a lot of it on having a, a boob job. This is the family, I think, with either 12 children or 13 children, whatever it happens to be. You're paying for it. Uh, everybody agreeing with me from yesterday about the hate preacher who's on 50 grand a year on benefits. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, somebody said, oh, we should have him arrested. No, no, no. We should kick him out. Shouldn't have been allowed here in the first place. And the Barrymore story. Now, I always wanted to talk to Michael Barrymore about this story because it's gone for years. And knowing how crackers Michael Barrymore was and probably still is, this is how bizarre the story is. The story, as you know, goes back so many years, most, most of you might have even forgotten about it, where Michael Barrymore goes out with some friends to a pub and uh, they meet some people there. And they do the usual thing with a bit of few drinks. Come back to my place. I've got a pool. Stuart Lubbock, good looking boy, goes back there. And uh, and then it goes pear shaped. Because when Michael Barrymore wakes up in the morning, or whenever it was he woke up, he discovered that Stuart Lubbock was dead in his swimming pool. Uh, in his body were, uh, were drugs. He'd obviously uh, taken lots of drugs. And uh, Michael Barrymore claims he knew nothing about it. He was at one end of the house. He was never charged with anything. I have to make that perfectly clear. He was never charged. Quite, quite rightly, and feeling very aggrieved, is Stuart Lubbock's father, who, of course, wants closure. He wants to know what happened to his son on that night. Well, I suspect that Michael Barrymore hasn't got the faintest idea, and as the years go by, he won't have any idea at all. 
But I think there were people who were with Stuart Lubbock who would probably know a lot more about it. Anyway, after all these years and Michael Barrymore's career collapsed, and uh, I'd seen Michael Barrymore's career collapse before when he'd been to an awards ceremony, and he was quite clearly off his face on something. Difficult to tell what it was. And um, he was sort of, he behaved very badly, rolled over and did sort of things. I've seen him when he's good. I've seen him when he's good, but I think most of these comics... I remember him sitting there, standing, actually, on stage, sweating like a pig at the uh, Hammersmith Apollo, saying, I wish my private life was as successful as my public life. He was basically saying that it was all falling apart because he was married to uh, to Cheryl. Uh, then the marriage split up. I mean, to be honest with you, you only had to see him walking the dogs to realise which side of the fence he was swinging the lead. And he goes down to the Swan Pub in East London and he comes out. And, of course, it hits all the papers. These queens can't get to the phone quick enough. Michael Barrymore's just come out. Michael Barrymore's just come out. And so that was that. And he, but, I mean, of course, he'd been out for years. It didn't just happen overnight. He'd been gay for as long as, you know, God had created heaven and earth. And so he then sort of embarks on this thing. ITV dropped the show. And when you think he was very, he was very big, Cheryl then gets cancer. Um, and she dies, but she was the be-all and end-all. She was the person who literally held his shows together. He didn't maybe want to be with her, you know, in a relationship, but she certainly knew what she was talking about, and I think she felt hurt. I think she felt aggrieved. Anyway, to cut a long story short, she uh, she died. Michael's career vanished. He tried to make a comeback, but everywhere he went, Stuart Lubbock's father turned up, which, of course, is uh, Stuart Lubbock. I'm surprised Stuart Lubbock's father was never arrested. Taking the law into his own hands... You know, he he thinks that Michael Barrymore had something to do with it. Michael Barrymore has never been charged by the police at all. Uh, he went as one of the runners-up on Celebrity Big Brother. Uh, the inquest had an open verdict in Stewart's death. ITV had no plans to commission further shows. Um, Barrymore ran for nine years on the telly. Uh, he files for voluntary bankruptcy in 2004. Uh, arrested on suspicion of murder in 2007 after new police inquiry, released without charge. Fined for possessing cocaine, which were discovered in his pocket after police found his car crash near his flat in London. Then he did a Jeremy Kyle special. I mean, it's been a car crash television thing, and he's now said he's going to sue the police over the fact he's never been charged with anything. But then Stuart Lubbock's father says, I'm totally disgusted by this. I can't believe the audacity. Stuart Lubbock's father obviously thinks he knows what went on that night. He hasn't got the faintest idea. Not the faintest idea. He wasn't there. You can guess what happened. But, you know, guessing doesn't really help. Guessing doesn't help in this case. All you know is Stuart Lubbock was found in a swimming pool, dead. He'd taken drugs. And Stuart Lubbock's father can sit there and scream and shout from the rooftops, you know, being as frustrated as he must be, seeing somebody and he thinks is responsible for it. The only thing I should imagine Michael Barrymore's responsible for is being naive enough to take somebody back to his house who he didn't know. That was the problem. Now, what happened when he got there, we don't know. Stuart Lubbock's father doesn't know either. But he has to be very careful. You know, he says, I can't believe the audacity of Barrymore. Why can you not believe that? He was arrested. He was never charged. And so he wants to sue the police. And he wants to sue the police over his arrest. You can imagine, if it had been you, Mr Lubbock, you'd be thinking exactly the same. I can understand where both of them are coming from. One who hasn't got the faintest idea what went on because he was at the other end of the house, and one whose son was found dead with injuries, and uh, which were conclusive, I think, to, uh, to some sort of sexual act, uh, and his body stuffed full of drugs. Now, I'm lucky enough never to have done drugs like this. I'm not remotely interested. I, c- I couldn't be less interested if I tried. 
But it's interesting that n- now Michael Barrymore has decided to uh, to sue Essex Police. How far it goes, I don't know. It's quarter past four. Nick and the team back with you uh, this morning. Uh, the budget. What do people want from the first Conservative budget since 1996? What are your concerns? And Boris makes a welcome return to the radio. Ask the Mayor and Conservative MP any question you fancy. And should we charter flights for people that want to go and join ISIS? Uh, Nick Ferrari, at seven this morning. Busy, busy, busy. After the morning news with Sarah Jane Me. It was very interesting the, the other day, having sort of watched the television, having looked at all the uh, the images of 7-7, and then having been really, really angry at getting a bus into Kingston and on their little moving signs, which they have, which says, you know, when people push the bell. And, you know, I've suddenly realised why, why people push the bell five times. It's because they're listening to their music. They've got their little earpiece in, so they stand up, push the bell, then somebody else stands up, pushes the bell. Five times it rang yesterday. You feel like ringing their head against the bloody wall and going, well, listen, somebody's already rung the bell, all right? He's stopping. And it had the moving sign, and it said, we hope that at 11.30 you will with us observe the one-minute silence for the people who lost their lives at 7.7. I thought, that's a nice thing, isn't it? Running on all their buses on the little moving ticker tape sign. So I thought I'll test the theory out. So I stand by the bus stops. At 28 minutes past 11, waiting to see. And there were no buses for ages. And then blow me down, at 29, buses came in. And they disgorged their passengers, picked up more and off they drove. They didn't observe the one-minute silence at all. Absolutely nothing. Shameful. Absolutely shameful. I feel like banging on the side of the bus going, aren't you supposed to be stopping for a minute's silence? Really bad news. Really bad news for the buses round our way. I don't know what they're like round your way. But I suppose, you know, it's a case of, you know, you'd have to explain to some people coming in from Hounslow what we were doing. And I think that might probably fall on deaf ears. What did I say yesterday? I said, you know, if we're not careful, there will be a death in the in the tunnel. The channel tunnel will be a death. Lo and behold, yesterday, there was a death. Somebody fell off a train. He was trying to get onto a train and he fell off it at 5.30 in the morning. So it can't have been far uh, after I actually said somebody's going to die in that tunnel. It's going to get worse. Some of these people are turning up with guns. They're quite clearly people we don't want anywhere near this country. We've got enough people like that, thank you, already here. We don't want any more of them. The idea is we're trying to keep the so-and-sos out. I've noticed that uh, even poor old James Naughty cannot keep uh, keep up with the great Alan and the uh, and the huge spike at four in the morning. So he's decided to quit radio. He's going to do special assignments. It's what they do when, when sort of somebody gets to be fairly ancient. They give them special assignments. So he's quit. You know, I'll probably get a letter from him later going, I just can't keep up with your audience figures. So thank you very much indeed. Uh, I love the picture in the paper of the mirror. You're going to love this picture. It's of um, a woman from Tunbridge in Kent. And she's got Micro Dave. Micro Dave is Britain's smallest horse. He's 18 inches tall. It's like, it's like, a, it's like, a, it's a toy. He's a miniature stallion. He's 12 days old. But um, his, uh, his owner says as he gets older, he gets cheekier. I mean, absolutely. You look at this. It is a miniature little horse. Now, whether it's like the micro pigs, they start off this size. And then, you know, within about a year, the thing is towering over you. I don't know. But um, it's nay hope over fences. That's what the paper said. I didn't. I didn't bother saying that one. It wasn't that. Wasn't that clever? I didn't think. But it's absolutely gorgeous. It is absolutely good. You're going to seriously want one of these things because you could keep it. You know, for all those people who've got big dogs, you could definitely keep that, and you could. Uh, you, you you could definitely get a lot of mileage. Imagine taking it for a walk. People just wouldn't believe it. You'd be walking down the road. They'd be going, "What do you go? It's a horse." 
You go, no, you go, bloody well is, absolutely. Uh, Tiffy says, uh, I don't know if you're on Facebook, I'm not. No, 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 I'm on Twitter and that's about as far as I go. And says, uh, don't you hate it when they send you notifications like, do you know so-and-so? They expect you to know every Tom, Dick and Harry that signs up for a Facebook account. Well, I've got no idea. I've got no, because I've never done it, I don't do Instagram either. There's certain things I don't do. But in fact, there's about three people on my uh, at Steve Allen show, the only one, uh, who can who can add things onto it. So that's why you get things from the magic circle and stuff like that. But uh, but I don't understand anything. I really wouldn't understand. If anybody sent me things, I had no idea what they were talking about on it, really. Uh, another one here. Um, well, Darren was talking about... Actually, it's very interesting. There was a guy on. We had a spate of people called Mark this morning, which obviously jinxed the telephone, so down they went. But it was the first one that worried me slightly. You can always tell somebody's... You know which side of the fence they're coming from when they start talking about the millionaire presenters on Top Gear. You can, you can sense... The jealousy in the voice immediately. The millionaire. They're all millionaires, he said, on Top Gear. I thought, there's, you, you'd be surprised how many multi-millionaires there are working on television. You think Pip Schofield's only got like two and sixpence in his account? Think again. Seriously, I love it when they... You think uh, Davina McCall's only got threepence eightpenny? Think again. There's loads of them. You think Terry Wogan's only got a little bit... They're all millionaires, these people. That's how much money is in television. People are so naive. People are so naive when it comes to money. Absolutely naive. But the moment somebody says on the radio, well, they're all multimillionaires, you can hear the jealousy. You can hear them going, I don't like you. You could, you could tell he was a Labour supporter immediately because then people start going on about how dreadful things are and you think, but the majority of the country voted. You know, if you don't like it, well, that's your problem, isn't it? Get over yourself. And then there was somebody else saying, I can't remember, there was one woman I was listening to. And to be honest with you, I kind of got a bit lost with what she was talking about. But it was, the, oh, that's right, we should all be grateful to the unions. Well, I'm sure that, you know, if you're planning on going to hospital today and you need to go by tube, well, kind of stuff you, say the unions. They couldn't care less about it. You could die as far as they're concerned because uh, they're going to get their, their point over. So you have to suffer. That's what I can understand. Years ago, years and years ago, unions were quite good. Now we're sort of seeing them because they, they want the attention. But the only people that suffer are us. We're the only people and we sit back like numpties putting up with it. <laughs> Really? It's like, I'm glad that the government are bringing in this thing to stop uh, union leaders living in council houses on the huge salaries. Bob Crow lived in a, lived, lived in a council house on 140 grand a year. Pfft. Do me a favour. Honestly, they, it's a case of, don't do what I do, do what I tell you to do. And so they do. They're like little sheep. They wander around. It's all terribly tedious. And so we're going to be watching, aren't we? We're going to be watching the... Uh, the budget today, and they're hopefully going to knock back uh, some of the tax. If you're earning over 50000 a year, uh, then you should get some tax breaks. Uh, what they're going to do with booze and fags, I couldn't care less. Doesn't bother me either way. I don't smoke, and uh, I can afford to drink, so why would I worry? It's all, it's all the people who go, oh, I'm not paying money for cigarettes like that. That's why you get the influx of all this stuff at car boot sales. People who go and buy cheap cigarettes, they seriously believe it because they're appealing to the lower end of the market. It's always the lower end of the market that get ripped off because they're the naivest part. They are the naivest part of the market where, you know, if somebody says to you, listen, I've got cigarettes at pound, pound a pack. Normally they're nine quid, have them for a pound. And you go, well, they're, they're either nicked or they're fakes. And the fakes are so good nowadays that people end up buying them. And, you know, you could end up with all sorts of problems. Haven't they had all these people dying, really, uh, recently in prison for drugs? Don't, let, don't ever let, you know, people think that it's really tough life in prison. I mean, the other day they got Prince Charles and Ant and Deck turn up, so a bit of a bonus, isn't it? You know, celebrity selfies can be taking place in the prison. And what they do is, because there's so many drugs coming in, 
that they, they put them in cigarettes, they give them to other people in the prison to try them out to see if they're dangerous or not. And once they, they die, they then work out that that one's dangerous, so we don't, we don't do that one again. BBC are bringing back the British Empire. What? Yeah, had to repeat it twice to the producer. The incompetent leisure manager, Gordon Britas has the green light to once again reign over the British Empire. And yesterday, a BBC spokeswoman confirmed a project, possibly a one-off Christmas special, was in development. That means they might be thinking about it. So that's good news, isn't it? It originally ran 53 episodes, 1991 to 97, and it used to get nearly 10 million viewers. Yeah, but of course, that was years ago when there was no, no competition. Now there's competition from every channel. I mean, listen, you've got Babe Station. Why on earth would you want to watch the British Empire? Come on! Get real. Come into the real world. That's why it's the dilution, isn't it? I'm quite shocked by Babe Station. I seriously am. I'm quite shocked that anybody would actually sit there and pay for that rubbish. I mean, what sort of lonely perverts do they attract? You know, they get... Mm, all this kind of stuff. It's a bit like Karen Danshuk, isn't it? It's a bit tacky. You're kind of strangely drawn to it, but you don't know why. And then you look at her. She's in one of the papers today because you can't keep her mouth zipped up, can you? Saying she'd like to go out with David Walliams. He'd be a good day. He wouldn't touch you with a barge pole, dear. He wouldn't touch you. He goes out with attractive people. You're not attractive. You're really not attractive. Neither you nor your husband are attractive. You're just addicted to the publicity. He's only ever done one thing. What's he done? Nothing. Nothing, apart from exposing the paedophile thing. And now he's stepped back from that. Because apparently talking about it all the time has given him depression and made him drink. Makes you wonder how funeral directors cope, doesn't it, really? God in heaven. 84850, steve at uk. There's a lovely picture, you have to laugh every day. Poor old Alex Gerrard. Way aye. Eh? Oh no, she's Scouser, isn't she? And uh, she's having a ball in Beverly Hills with her photographer. They're taking a picture of her and they go, she's hitting the boutiques in Beverly Hills. I hope to God you didn't buy this outfit over there, darling. The one she's wearing in the papers, she looks like a puffball skirt upside down. You're too old, dear. I don't want to be rude, but I mean, sorry, outfits like this worn in Beverly Hills and you're walking in Beverly Hills? I don't think so. I don't think so. The only people who walk in Beverly Hills are offering services. Nobody walks in Beverly Hills. Seriously, I've driven through it on a tour bus. People get out of their cars, straight into the shop, out of the shop, back into the car. Nobody walks up and down the street like you do, dear. It's not Liverpool. It's Beverly Hills. My God, you've lowered the prices already. But anyway, apparently Stephen Gerrard was over and some people wanted to take a selfie of him. I don't know what they were doing in Beverly Hills either. Most people go to Beverly Hills. They can't afford to buy anything there. And uh, Alex Gerrard can't. Definitely not. But uh, she had to look in a shop window because nobody wanted a picture taken of her. Bless. But the outfit is really naff. It's the sort of thing you'd see one of the Fahir's sisters wearing. It's that It's that awful. Poor soul. It's uh, 4.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 28 minutes to five. It's Wednesday, the 8th of July, 8 for 850. Steve at lbc.co.uk. And uh, we read everything out on the programme. I see that uh, poor old depraved and ugly boy around town, Kim Jong-un, has resurfaced again. Yes, you'd think he'd have had his hairdresser executed by now, but no, it's the boss of an aquarium. And this is after dozens of baby turtles starved to death. Apparently, the North Korean leader was shown wagging his finger. Ooh, scary man, scary man. Wag your finger. And uh, he launched into a tirade. Apparently, uh, the reptiles were dying because of frequent power cuts and lack of food supplies. The Supreme, the supreme Leader, 
the Supreme Leader, the bozo of all bozos, said that uh, he ordered the execution of the farm's manager, who was taken outside and shot dead. They don't mess around, do they, in North Korea? Fantastic. Well done. Well done to ugly fat boy, who seems to have people shot at the, uh, you know... It's either that, what did he have a missile fired at somebody, didn't he? wish somebody had fired a missile at him. The source said some parts of the farm weren't able to receive water in a timely manner because of the lack of electricity. And uh, he, he, he was shot because some of the tanks were not adequately supplied with food and water. I mean, you, just, you can't believe why anybody would want to live in a place like that, can you, really? There's a Korean restaurant in London. And it was only as I was driving past it yesterday, I kept thinking, wait a minute, the Koreans eat dog. The Koreans eat dog, don't they? I couldn't remember exactly where it was in the world that these people eat dog, and I'm pretty certain it was the Koreans. And I'm assuming it must be South Korea. Can't see it being a North Korean restaurant. Can you? Eat dog. Ugh. And then somebody wrote on one of the websites, there was a piece, and it was somebody saying, this is so disgusting that somebody could even eat these kind of things. And somebody said, these dogs are bred for the purpose, which, of course, they're not. They're stolen. Mainly they're thieved over there. And, uh, and people acquire a, a taste for eating dog. Personally, I mean, I think it's absolutely barbaric and sick, and I'd, I'd be prepared to hang these people myself. They even had a picture of cats in a cage where this bloke has to go in. And, well, these cats are scared out of their lives. They quite clearly know what's happening to other cats who've been in the cages. And uh, when they see somebody coming in after them, it uh, it kind of just changes things, doesn't it? You feel a bit sorry for them. Dom and Dom is watching the bloke wearing a baseball cap, walking around big houses. Isn't it wicked? Oh, that one. I know. Where do they get him from? He's this big bloke. He's on, he's on London Live. Or as I prefer to call it, Hospital Radio Television. Because I tell you, some of the people, they don't even look like they've made any effort to do their makeup. They just sit there. They're, perhaps they don't have hair and makeup. Ridiculous. Um, uh, could you sing Happy Birthday to Me Tomorrow, says Patricia? No. Not allowed to. Not allowed to sing Happy Birthday. You know that. Isn't that funny? I'm just looking at the. Sorry, just changing the subject. So I'm not moving away from you. But I'm looking at Boris and uh, people laying wreaths at the memorial. In, uh, in the park, in Hyde Park, to 7-7. Whereas only the other week, we had uh, Romanian gypsies defecating around it. Small wonder. I mean, they've been there for ages. I wonder why they had to clear them off pretty quickly. And it's because of that, isn't it? Uh, Ian says, will the tube drivers be using Babe Station during the strike? Oh, I wouldn't even like to. You know, it can't be that difficult to drive a tube train, can it? Can it be that difficult to drive a tube train? And so, you know, the unions are going on strike, despite being offered and having had a 2% pay rise, and a £2,000 bonus for anybody working the all-night shift. That's on top of the 49 grand, 36-hour, five-day package with guilt-ed pension schemes and countless more benefits. Well, I can't help agreeing. You know, 49 grand holding your hand on a, on a lever can't be that difficult. And you get a bonus for anybody working the all-night shift. I tell you, by that quotient, me and Will should be quids in. Quids him. As it is, he's, he's looking forward to getting that, that cheap tax break, earning over 50 grand a year. And that would be a nice... He's looking forward to He doesn't know what he's going to spend it on yet. But he's looking forward to, uh, to getting that. I mean, that's brilliant, isn't it? I'm, I'm more worried about the fact they put Prosecco up. You know, if they go pound on a bottle of wine, you think, yeah. It's the petrol, though, isn't it? All we want to know is petrol. And the garages put it up immediately. They don't hang around. They, they, they capitalise on that one very, very quickly. As long as fish and chips doesn't go up in price, we should be OK. On anything that we enjoy going up in price. Oh, I tell you, I could just go now. I could do a hot dog. I had Hasselback potatoes yesterday. And I know you're going to tell me off for this, but I bought them. 
I bought them. Marks and Spencer's to them, ready to go straight in the oven, in a metal tray, and they've got garlic butter in there, about five pieces of garlic butter. And then I, I put them in the halogen oven, which crisps... Sorry, it's got to be quite excited then. Crisps them on the outside. And, uh, and I just cut up some uh, ham and put that over the top and some Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. It was a meal fit for a king. It was delicious. And so I was telling the producer about these potatoes, which are sort of like normal new potatoes, but already cooked. And then they're, they're sort of sliced, but they don't fall apart. Delicious. Seriously, I mean, I ate a whole tray by myself. I know that makes me a bad person, and I realise that, you know, you're going to chastise me, but frankly, couldn't care less. It was delicious. I only saw them in Marks and Spencer's on the off chance. I nipped in to buy a pair of, or a couple of summer shirts. You never buy a pair of shirts, do you? A couple of summer shirts. And the lady in there, who's one of my listeners, said, um, Hawaiian shirts? I said, well, these are the nearest thing to it. I said, but desperate. I said, the good thing is, in America, Hawaiian shirts, I'm down a size. So I'm very excited, very excited about being being down a size. Uh, also in the paper, it's the bull run in Pamplona. Bull's got somebody. Yes! Result. A 30-year-old British reveller. Good. Gord in the groin. Fantastic. Good. Very happy. Couldn't be happier. Could not be happier. You cannot wipe the smile off my face. Five Americans and five Spanish people were also hurt. Good. Fantastic. Wonderful. I think this is the most barbaric thing I've ever seen in my entire life. They have the running of the Bulls Festival. A festival is the last thing it is. It's where they uh, let loose with a load of bulls. In one part of Spain, they set fire to its horns. You know, and, and you begin to wonder just how sick these people are. Anyway, so thousands wearing red and white crowded the 849-metre route along the cobbled streets, and the Bulls completed it in 2 minutes 23 seconds. That's one of eight morning runs. The Bulls, of course, are terrified... And uh, they, the people run ahead of them. People throw themselves up lampposts and everything else. So I was delighted that the score yesterday was 11 to the Bulls. <laughs> I think the Bulls should get agents. Fantastic. So, uh, as I say, we haven't had a death yet, but don't worry. The day is young. And there's a picture of this bloke being gored by the bull. Fantastic. Let's hope you're maimed. Hope you're maimed. I think it's disgusting. Why do they do that? If you run there in front of an animal that is absolutely terrified out of its life... It was like the other day, I, was, I couldn't work it out either. The bloke in the safari park and the leopard who grabs onto his arm. Grabs onto his arm, and so he manages to shake it off, and the leopard then goes for him again. So what do they do? They run over it. They run over its feet. The leopard was then, I think, later shot for doing what leopards do. It's in a safari park. But because, you know, it, it's like some bloke. You see him the other day in, in, in the paper. I mean, you can only assume it was drugs because he was that stupid. And I can't remember where it was. It could be America or something like that. And um, there's a, a crocodile, a lake infested with, with crocodiles. And he decides, he takes a running jump and he uses the fur word. for the crocodiles, he goes and jumps in. Well, of course, <laughs> I mean, law of averages, crocodiles. Hello, lunch has arrived. So they grab him and drag him under. And his girlfriend jumps in as well. And goes, they've got him. And you think, because it's their territory, stupid. I'm assuming it was drugs. But anyway, they had to fish his body out two hours later. A poor waitress who works down there in a place that overlooks it went, it was horrendous. I thought, well, it probably would be. Probably would be. But if that's stoned out of your mind and you seriously think that you can recreate a scene from a James Bond movie by jumping onto the backs of crocodiles to get across from the island, think again. They just grab your feet. They're not going to let go. This cheetah didn't let go when it got this uh, bloke's arm out of the car. It literally, it clamped its jaws on. It's like lions. When you watch them hunting, 
One will go for the throat of the wildebeest or whatever it is, and what they do is they suffocate it to death, and it clamps on. It does not release it. It doesn't. It stays there until the animal breathes its last, because it it just can't breathe any more. So when I see you know some poor bulls in Pamplona who've been selected to run down the street while these idiots run in front of them, I'm always delighted when these animals score an own goal. Eleven people yesterday. Five thick Americans and five thick Spanish and one thick British bloke. A 30-year-old. Good. I'm very happy. can't think anybody would ever disagree with anything like that at all, would you? Why would you want to disagree with that? They have a place in Spain, you know, where they have a, a ceremony. Something to do with religion, ladies and gentlemen, where they throw a donkey off a church tower. Have you ever heard of such a thing? Seriously, I want to take the people up there. It's like I want to take the ISIS people who push the gaze off the uh, the towers into that square so they, they fall to the ground horribly maimed. I want to push the ISIS blokes off there because most of the ISIS people are, are riding side saddle on their bicycles, let me tell you. We know that they're all paedophiles. Now we've discovered all sorts of other things about them. Uh, 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, Boris should sack all the tube drivers. Plenty of people out there who want to work holding... Uh, a lever for 49 grand a year. 49 grand a year. It's China you're talking about. The Chinese that have just had a dog-eating festival. I didn't say the Koreans that had a dog-eating festival. You know, wash your ears out and listen. Nothing worse than people who are slightly deaf at this time of the morning. I don't want to drag out the terminally stupid, but we found a couple now. And uh, the Koreans eat dogs. That's what we're talking about. The Koreans eat dogs. The Chinese steal them. You're telling me that the, uh, that the Koreans don't steal dogs to eat? Of course they do. This is stupid. And uh, the fat bloke in the uh, in the hat on London Live is Charlie Sloth. He's a radio DJ. Oh, please tell me. Please, t- is he really? What a bloke who can't string two words together. Does he? Wa- oh dear God in heaven. He's on radio. Is he really? Blimey! Not surprised it's going off the boil. Dear God. And that's uh, where's he come from? Where has he come from? He's been around a few. He looks like he's certainly been round. That's a fact. And they're putting, looking at these posh houses on London Live because he talks a bit like wicked. He's white. Why is he speaking like he's sort of from Jamaica? 84850, steve at uk, And um, another one here. Uh, apparently Jenny says, I'm having trouble hearing you with a storm outside. Sounds like the Bahamas. Is it? Is it that good? We've not got rain outside, have we, at the moment? Have we got rain outside? Have a quick look. Look. Looks like we're in Leicester Square. John, what are you looking at? You're not watching another television programme, are you? I know what you're like. You watch a television programme and then you think... It's like that War of the Worlds, wasn't it? Where people believed they were actually being invaded because they heard it on the radio. But it was Orson Welles narrating War of the Worlds. And the spacecraft are coming in. And, the, and, and, and people believed it. Because in those days, people believed everything that they heard on the, uh, on the radio. Uh, 84850, steve at uh, another one here. Let's try and get everything in on the... I don't like to miss anything out. but a bit remiss. And um, apparently, uh, Joey says, station staff, supervisors, signalers, train maintainers... What the dickens are they? And line controllers, to name a few staff who are striking. And, uh, and Stuart says, no, they're greedy. Firefighters get 35 grand. I know, it's... it's uh, you kind of lose the will to live, don't you? But it's us who suffer. We suffer. It's got nothing to do with me. Got nothing to do with me. You know, what money they get. Why can't they do something else? Why are they going to sit outside the, uh, their bosses' houses and sort of start singing ghastly songs into the early hours of the morning? Otherwise, it's a bit pointless, isn't it? You're only going to absolutely upset all the, uh, the British public. There's a big uh, radio awards ceremony in London tonight, the Archivers. 
And uh, from 6.30, no tube trains. I was explaining to a friend of mine earlier on, he said, oh, I'm going home. He said, luckily, ooh, he said, luckily I don't actually need to, uh, uh, to worry about going home because I live in Isha, he says, and we don't have... Uh, don't have tube trains out in Isha. We're lucky, actually, in Twickenham. We're served by overground trains and by underground trains and there are buses. So there's never a never a, a dispute over how you... Oh, sorry, about how you're going to get home. So I'm just checking that Robin Hood's still around. <laughs> Warren says, sack the lot of them. He's not... Uh, he says, or, or let them strike and never give in. A rough few months, it'll never happen again. They don't seem to care, though, do they? They, they really don't care. I think it's the union leaders. They like... I mean, over the years, LBC's covered so many strikes. I can remember the miners' strike with poor old Arthur Scargill. Nobody's going to tell that man he's got an old shredded wheat shoved on his head, are they? And, uh, and he was out there fighting. It was all, you know, Maggie, 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 out, 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 all this kind of thing. Because she stood up to these people who were... Tr- you know, an industry that was on its knees... I think one of the last coal mines has just closed. It, it was only revitalised about two years ago. They should have heeded the advice. You know, it's cheaper for people. They couldn't find anybody to buy it. We can bring it in cheaper from abroad. Not their fault. Cheaper from abroad that we can mine it in this country. It's, it's that sad and that desperate. And that's why when you watch Billy Elliot, you suddenly realise that they watched it slipping away. It was slipping away. The strike was solid. The strike was solid. The strike was solid. And then they couldn't survive. And the strike crumbled. And that's what happened, you know, when we saw people fighting and, and people, you know, really becoming... I remember lorry drivers turning up and uh, all the people standing around jeering, scab, 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 and all this sort of... Oh, it's ghastly. Absolutely ghastly. And you think to yourself, it's, it's a bit like, you know, the Uber situation, isn't it? It's a bit like that. In Paris, they burn the blasted cars. Over here, we just go on strike again. Seems to be the British thing now. Let's just go on strike. What would that be if every radio presenter and TV presenter went, we'll go on strike? The answer, it would never, ever happen in a million years. 14 to 5. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. Wednesday, the 8th of July. This is what everybody wakes up to here in the morning. It's LBC. And it's budget day. And it's tube strike day. And it's either going to be a good day or bad day. I suspect it's going to be a bad day with a tube strike. Crago says, um, he's very excited, actually. He's a marathon runner. He's a Glasgow Rangers fan, and he says the return of the British Empire. Yay! I think the producer said roughly the same. He quite liked the idea of it. You, are you in favour of bringing back the British Empire? Yeah, oh, he's a bit, a bit nonplussed now. He's not as excited as you are, Crago. Not as excited. But uh, he's an he's an all round good spud. <laughs> spud. I haven't heard them called spuds for ages. Always makes me laugh. That I don't know why. Anyway, nice to know that uh, there's more people to. Uh, to listen to the programme. The purpose of our lives is to be happy, says the Dalai Lama. Well, you would be if you listened to uh, this programme. 84850 uk. Uh, so, the front page of The Sun. Here's an odd story. Here is an on, a, a very, very on, odd story um, about uh, the Yorkshire Ripper, Peter Sutcliffe. Now, you know, if you listened to our In Conversation a few weeks ago with a former member of Spandau Ballet who played... Uh, one of the craze in the film. And uh, Martin came in to talk about it, and he said, and I said, did you go and see, uh, I think it was Reggie Cray or Ronnie Cray. Anyway, he went to see one of them. It might have been Ronnie Cray. And he goes to Broadmoor, and uh, Ronnie Cray is sitting at the end of the room, little short man, little short fat man. And so they're, they're, they're chatting away. Anyway, he looks to the left at the end of this sort of couple of hour session, and who's sitting at the end of the table? 
the Yorkshire Ripper, Peter Sutcliffe, is sitting at the end of the table. So he's in this bizarre situation. And a friend of mine made a documentary about Broadmoor. As you know, Jonathan Levi made this documentary and he went down there. He was telling me stories about it because it's if you could have your way, if I could if I could have my way. I mean, had they let the craze out of prison? And this was one of the one of the very reasons that they didn't let the craze out of prison. Everybody would have wanted interviews with them. They'd have been on every chat show. You can imagine Wogan. <laughs> yes, here we go. Slap the old Wogan's thigh. Here they are, two mass murderers, the craze. And they'd bring them on and they'd chat to them because they'd served their time in prison. So they couldn't ever let them out. So they effectively had to die in prison, albeit the fact that, you know, their their mother had died and they brought one out. And it was all just a bit, it was a bit of a bit of a brouhaha. Anyway, so many of them now are in Broadmoor. These uh, these mass murderers, these people for whom whom we, we don't seem to have anything, you know, that we can do for them. We just keep them pumped full of drugs and they sit there and stare out of the window. Uh, every so often, Peter Sutcliffe, who is now bloated and fat and dying... And the sooner it happens, the better for everybody. You know, 13 women, but they reckon there could have been a whole lot more. Uh, he started writing letters. He's been writing letters for years. They're allowed to write letters. This particular one is on the front page of The Sun this morning. It's one of a series. He's talking to a pen pal and he's saying there's something not quite right about the McCanns. He casts doubt on the innocence of the McCanns in these letters. So obviously his, his pen pal uh, has passed them on to the Sun newspaper, and it's his vile Maddie slurs are on the front pages. I mean, they've obviously seen them, they've obviously got them, and uh, they run for, for pages and pages. They've had his handwriting analysed. Uh, the slur over the McCanns is just the, the delusions of a man who's been staring at four walls for a long, long time and is going to die inside there. And uh, he's in a he's in a, an egotistic mood because he knows that he still gets coverage in the newspapers. You know, if Peter Sutcliffe sends a letter to the Sun, the Sun are going to print it. It gives him this notoriety. It gives him that status. He's elevated inside Broadmoor. People go, it's Peter Sutcliffe. He can still command front page of the Sun newspaper. The next time will be when he's dead. But uh, he's separated inside Broadmoor. He's uh, th- there's a ward of these. Uh, particular high-profile killers and people who are so sick and depraved that there's nowhere else for them. Personally, I think most of them just need to be on permanent medication. Um, hundreds of these chilling notes as he sent out, and, and I suppose in years to come, people will see these turning up at auction. They will see that they have a monetary value. Let's face it, most of the craze stuff has monetary value, so I'm assuming Peter Sutcliffe will have monetary value. All of these, any of these people who have committed such heinous crimes that we recoil in horror. You know, the Yorkshire Ripper, and we all remember how how remiss the police were trying to find him. They'd already arrested him before, questioned him and let him go. And then they, then they got him a second time. Might have been third time, actually. And it was only because he got out the car to say he wanted to go to the toilet and they let him get out of the car and go to the toilet and they go back to the police station. They suddenly think, wait a minute, what did he go to the toilet for? They go back there, they find the hammer, which he'd used... And um, and then he said to them, you know, you, you're going to ask if I'm the Yorkshire Ripper. I am. Up until then, LBC had fallen for that tape recording of somebody claiming to be Jack the Ripper, which turned out to be a hoax. And that person was subsequently jailed. But uh, but the Yorkshire Ripper's legend lives on because he murdered so many people and seems not to have a, a shred of, of embarrassment or couldn't really care less, actually. One woman's been banned over skimpy outfits. He boasts how his ex-wife Sonia still visits him. And... Um, 
and he's he's written these uh, these letters. So the person who had them passed them on to the son, so you can see just how depraved he is. But then, of course, we knew how depraved he was in the first place. We knew. Other stories in the uh, the paper today. Uh, the BBC reporter, and this is uh, Achmen Kwaaja, who apparently, you know, she was the one who tweeted that the Queen was dead, a rather stupid person. And now the BBC have tried to justify it by saying that she was not among staff emailed about the dry run of how to cover a royal death and so and, and sent messages from her account after seeing it on a monitor. I mean, it, it just beggars belief, isn't it? It's almost like an excuse for the BBC. Well, she wasn't on the list. Should not everybody have been on the list? The BBC Trust said language services reporter Kwaaja, I'll be the last you hear of her, uh, had committed a grave error of judgment. She faces disciplinary. That'll be a smack on the wrist and losing your chocolate biscuit every day, I should imagine, for 11s. Is, it's about all they do down at the BBC. They don't seem to do anything at all. I find it, I find it deeply disturbing, deeply disturbing, that some idiot, mind you, she only working for World Service, poor soul, you know, can actually make such a huge mistake. Huge mistake. Uh, Matt, Ver, Matt says, sleepless night in Louvain, in Belgium. He says, uh, I can't believe tube drives are on 49k. I know. They're actually, they actually, I mean, 49k by the time you get bonuses and everything else racks up a bit, doesn't it? All for holding a handle down. It's not like you have to steer it. You've only got to learn a series of signs. I mean, can it be that difficult? Can it be that? Di- I don't know. I only asked the question. Uh, 84850, steve at uk, And um, another one here. Wait a minute. Oh, I've lost the blooming thing now, actually. Uh, this is, uh, this is, this is, this is, oh, somebody talking about Katie Price. Um, if Wogan had interviewed, would he have dared to do the Wogan hand on the knee thing? Um, no, they did it to him. That was the whole joke about it, I think. They used to say, you know, put your hand on Wogan's knee. I think that was it. And, uh, 84850, uk. Uh, tube drivers... Have a well-paid job. Get on with it or get out, says Terry. And then he was unkind about them. See, see the trouble is, if you've got a union, you know, who, who sort of want to show their teeth, they then go, oh, we, we can see if we can get you some more money. Eventually, they're going to put the fares up. Everybody suffers. Everybody suffers. There's no winner here. There appears to be no, no winner at all. D-Day's first hero on land died. 95, I think. This is uh, paratrooper. Lieutenant Norman Poole was one of the six men dropped into Normandy on the night of June the 5th. A pigeon he was carrying took vital info to military chiefs, but he never revealed what it was. I like that idea. I like the idea that people can keep a secret. I'm the worst one for keeping a secret. If anybody ever says to me, Steve, I'm going to tell you a secret, I say, please don't. Please don't tell me a secret. Because sometimes you just can't. I mean, I'm just I'm just useless. I just cannot keep a secret. If it's, so, it's like somebody said to me, could you keep it secret if you won the lottery? I said, I'm not sure I could. I'm not sure I could. I'd try my very best, but I've, but I've a sneaking feeling that I would be absolutely terrible and I'd be really, really bad. Uh, 84850, uk, And uh, another one here. It's uh, another one here. Somebody says, you've rejoiced in the death of a man who fell off a train. You're a bit of a stupid person, aren't you? I didn't. I said I predicted that a person would. I said there would be somebody falling off a train in the channel. And I'm absolutely right. The goring of a few tourists, I definitely applaud that one. Definitely can't, can't get me on that one at all. And uh, mocked the millions of people in unions. Millions of people? Where are you coming from? You're obviously a very old person. Very, very old indeed. So I'm going to put you out of your misery. There. There you go.
Now, nobody will have to hear you ever again, which is sad for you, I realise. Just be you and your social worker out there. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Chris in Norbury says, Sean the Pomeranian and I in bed listening to the programme. That's what we like to hear. That's what we like to hear. This time of the morning, everybody else is. And uh, what was the other thing I was going to do? Oh, yes, the, the, I have to read you what one of the columnists says today about the, uh, the attention-seeking Dan Shooks. And uh, and how sad and vacuous their life is. And also, are there any royals in the royal box? Yesterday, we had uh, Sam Torrance, the golfer, Jimmy Tarbuck. Jimmy Tarbuck was in the royal box. Stephen uh, Fry and his boyfriend... Sorry? A bit 1987. It is a bit, isn't it? Stephen Fry and his boyfriend, Elliot, in the... What were they doing there? And also, I mean, the nearest you got is Princess Michael. She was in there. Uh, Catherine Jenkins, I mean, to be honest with you, who cares? I mean, Catherine Jenkins is so gorgeous. I mean, she can sit anywhere she likes. She can go to Buckingham Palace and sit on the throne, as far as I'm concerned. But uh, also, uh, Ileana Stasi was there, seen dressed as a Romanian military chief. What? That's obviously one or two brain cells loose, isn't he? So it's budget day. Tax cuts for millions. Tube strike day. Misery for millions. We all have to suffer because of the actions of a few greedy people. Scientists say dementia can be reversed. Can they get on with it then and do it now? The rise of Viagra. The oldest man in the world has died at 112. And a Darth Vader costume. According to Disney, or whoever's making this blooming thing, it's only for boys. It's not for girls. Girls shouldn't be wearing it. He's a man, OK? LBC, Steve Allen. Good morning. On. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Wednesday, the 8th of July. This could be another one of those days that goes down in history. As it's Budget Day, tax cuts for millions. What will be in it for you? Will you be better off at the end? There will be analysis. There will be people pondering. There will be people shouting, people getting angry, people saying, I'm worse off. Cigarettes up, wine up. What else is going up? I don't know. Will we get any concessions? Over 50,000? Will there be new tax concessions? You'll hear it all on LBC this morning. And it's tube strike day, so after 6.30 this evening, I'll give you the rundown very shortly. You won't be to go anywhere because they want more money. CJ seems to have an answer to that one, which I'll give you in a moment. And the bodyguards from yesterday turn out to be Roman Abramovich's friends. They all look slightly dodgy, though. I've never seen... I didn't think they looked like bodyguards. Normally bodyguards, if they're sort of Russian, come with the uh, the dark suit and the talking brooches and all the other thing. These people looked a bit too casual. And then it turns out they're just badly dressed billionaires. One of them was a policeman who managed to become a billionaire. It's amazing, really. Um, life really good if you're a bankrupt Corrie actor. He's been on five holidays. He apparently is making an effort to pay the money back, but the tax office has just given him more time. And, of course, you should by now, if you're self-employed... Uh, know exactly how much tax you're paying at the end of this month. You have to pay it on time, otherwise there's a fine. I mention this specifically for somebody like Daniela Westbrook or Ryan from Coronation Street, you know, just to make sure these people are well aware that they do pay their uh, their tax. CJ says there can't be that many tube drivers in total. I could train new people up and sack the existing rebellious ones and give the new drivers a good job that they would treasure and appreciate. Why don't people treasure and appreciate jobs anymore? You know, 49,000 is pretty good money in anybody's books, isn't it? Seems fairly good to me. Mind you, a friend of mine uh, is a, a gas fitter for British Gas. He can start minting it very shortly. You know, he's only, I think, 24, 25, and um, he's, he's pushing... 
pushing 35,000, which is not bad. He didn't know what to do with his life. He kind of sort of, I don't know, what do I do for this? And then trained with, uh, with British Gas. Now he's got his own van. And he goes out. He doesn't have to report to an office. It's all done. He can just go and get spares from wherever he needs them. And they send him his work in the, in the morning and he just poodles off and does it. These people have already paid for it. Mind you, I think uh, anything from British Gas is fairly expensive. You could probably get cheaper elsewhere. But, I mean, he loves it. He sort of becomes his own boss. And I suppose to a certain extent, if you're a tube driver, and I should imagine we've got tube drivers listening to this programme, it must be pretty soulless, mustn't it? You're just staring into the distance looking at the coloured lights, thinking... And we don't have that many accidents. You know, we do have occasionally, but, I mean, they're really not. It's 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 sort of... It's a very, very good system. It's just that it pays so much money. Pays so much money. But CJ would sort of train up the uh, the new ones, which I'm sure they'd be thrilled about. I don't, I'd love to know what, what the training involves. You never see... You never, ever see what goes on behind the scenes of training a... Ch- you know, I understand how, you know, teaching somebody to drive a car works, because I, I was taught how to drive a car. But, you know, taught how to drive a tube train. Do you think that's actually... I wonder if that's on YouTube. Somebody'll have to check for me. And uh, Steve, says Danny, just finished the first half of your book an hour ago. Good Lord, you should be able to read it in an hour. I've got a book out. Did I mention I've got a book out? I thought I'd mention it on budget day. Not another bowl of cereal. Is that another bowl of cereal? What is it? Is it frost? You had a bowl earlier on, didn't you? Did you not? Is it frosties? What is it? Weetos. I don't even know what Weetos are. <laughs> are they? Are they like? Oh right. Oh, they're very small, aren't they? Are they like sort of shredded wheat kind of? Th- no, they're not. Okay. All right. Let's not bother going down that route. Unless it's got fried bread in it. I'm not interested, ladies and gentlemen. I want fried bread. I'm determined to find fried bread before the end of the year. Well, I found it. I just want to know what it's like before I eat it. I've a feeling I'm going to order it. And I might order it today because I've got to... I was furious yesterday. I can't tell you why I was furious. I was just furious. Uh, I've got to go out and get some um, Tomorite. I've, sp- I've used a gallon up so far of Tomorite, so I've got to go and get some more today. But uh, everything's looking in the garden very, very rosy. So we're quite pleased about that. And, uh, and out there, I've just noticed one of, my, one of my fellow radio colleagues is wearing a pair of shorts today. A pair of shorts. And I said to him, I said, the wind... <sighs> blowing a gale outside and he said I didn't realize till I got outside I thought well do you not just turn around and go back inside and then go and go and change would, would that not be the thing to do I mean I'm only sort of guessing that that's how it works I'll tell you what the what the weather is uh now actually wait a minute uh oh I've lost the blooming thing oh that there it is right here we go just to just to ruin your day here we go cloudy with a few showers breezy should see my hair. Seriously, it looks ridiculous. Uh, today, broken cloud with a few showers. There may be uh, heavy showers by the afternoon. Some bright spells are also likely. In other words, it's classic weather in this country, isn't it? If anybody ever says to me, what's the weather going to be like in Britain today? I go, sunshine, showers, breezy. Moderate, northwesterly. Doggerbank, Finisterre. And uh, feeling fresh. Feeling fresh. <laughs> Highs of 19 degrees tonight, turning dry as the showers die out. So at least your garden, because I drove out yesterday. I was on the bus and all I kept seeing was parched lawns everywhere. And all I know is that once you get a deluge, all of a sudden, ping, everything goes green again. Nothing worse, is there? If you've got a garden and it's looking a little bit sort of destitute, like, <laughs> dry, dry, feed me, feed me. And so hopefully if we get some water today, it'll be, uh, it'll be good. Uh, Michael... Uh, Lawrence at King's Kitchen says, I so love to see that bull run you've been talking about. If you're mad enough to run in front of charging bulls, then A&E is calling. New member of staff, Chico. We're loving the show. 
There you go. So, new member of staff today. It's always good news, isn't it? Always good news when you get a new member of staff. Oh, that looks nice, doesn't it? Better not show that to the producer. He loves looking at food first thing in the morning. But the funny thing is that, that first thing in the morning, he can only eat cereal. You see, I like Frosties. I used to love, as a kid, I used to love Frosties. Love them. And then it isn't until you get a bit older and you suddenly realise that it's just literally sugar on cornflakes. And uh, even though it was a tiger who was advertising them. And I, I used to love that. And then my mother used to say, uh, no, you mustn't have that. You must have something healthy. So we used to have a yoghurt for breakfast. How boring was that? But that's all you had when you were a kid. You didn't have any of these other things, did you? No good sending me in pictures as well, Michael, of lots and lots of... Oh, that looks quite nice. <laughs> lots and lots of pictures of food. At this time of the morning, the worst thing you can ever send a radio presenter is a picture of food. Because it just it just does not work. It doesn't work. It makes me feel makes me feel quite ill at this time because having had these uh, Hasselback potatoes and having promised the producer um, that I'm going to bring him in some tomorrow. I mean, I think I know that he'll actually like them. <laughs> I deliver. It's I deliver. I drive a lorry, says Jimbo, and deliver fruit and veg. Thirty-five k is the going rate in this game. Thirty-five thousand, and that that's presumably before tax. Before tax. Wow. So after tax, what are you looking? 35k, 28, something like that. I don't know. 28, tw- less, less, about 26, tw- tw- 24, something like that. Whatever it is, a lot goes in tax, doesn't it? Uh, Teresa says, I must have been living down a hole. Is the budget going to be held in July from now on? Yes, I think so. Well, that's what we thought we'd do, if that's OK with everybody else. And, uh, and Jenny says, driving a tube train, Steve, you press a green button to go, a red one to stop. That's all I've heard. Now, you have to um, put your hand on the, it's called the dead man's handle, doesn't it? The dead man's handle is a thing that you put your hand on and then you sort of, you keep it there. And the moment you take it, so in other words, if you had a heart attack, you'd take your hand off it and the train would stop. But of course, I'm assuming if you have a heart attack, you're going to fall onto it, going to make it worse. Uh, well, I would have thought so. I'm only guessing. But I'd love to know. I'd love to know how these things uh, do. Uh, 84850. Steve says, I'm an Andy Murray fan. But when he talks, his voice sounds dour, lethargic, like a verbal anaesthetic to put you under. I don't, um, I don't quite understand tennis. I've never understood tennis. But there again, I'm not a particularly sporty person. I don't, uh, I don't follow sport. I used to play it when I was younger. But as you get a bit older, you kind of find other things to do. You know, you're introduced to the, to the delights of the sweet shop by the time you get to 13. Uh, Les says, I'm a train driver instructor. Ooh. Is that like, because I see people taking buses out. There's about six of them sitting on a bus with a trainee bus driver. And I thought all you need to learn is you pull into the bus stop. Just as the old lady puts her hand out, you drive away. That's, that's the only thing I thought you have to learn. And then failing that, the moment you get an LD person on the bus, you then lurch backwards and forwards a few times. You put your foot on the brake quite hard just to see whether they can actually fall over. It takes about two years to produce one fully competent, productive train driver. As opposed to what, Les? A fully competent, productive train driver. So in other words, if you're doing it in a year, they're not going to be competent or productive. A fully competent, productive... I quite like that idea. Competent and productive. Nobody ever talks to them. Nobody ever talks to train drivers. I get on a, a, a train, and uh, sometimes if I'm sitting near where the train driver has to go through, I want to know is they all, especially on the trains I get on. I get on the over. I don't. I don't tend to do a lot of tube trains, and they've always got bags with them. What do they keep in their bag? Is it like a toolkit or something in case it breaks down? What in God's name have they got in there? Perhaps it's just sandwiches. I like the idea of sandwiches. 
<laughs> could be quite quite funny, actually. And uh, I live in Utrecht in the Netherlands and Nairobi, Kenya, says Matthew, whilst working around Europe and the USA as a musician. My recent work this week was in York with colleagues from France, Germany and Austria. They love the UK and found people very courteous. Well, where did you go to? Don't be silly. You didn't find people courteous here. Cool, but it's not, unless you went up north, in which case people are very courteous. And um, also, uh, they were aghast, including me, at the stag parties and hen nights in York. Oh, ghastly. Just a lot of drunk, cheap people. They just go out, they go to these bars, and they get very, very drunk, and it's just not very nice, actually. I'm pleased to report the French colleagues thoroughly enjoyed our Yorkshire beer, taking several pints of bitter and appreciating different flavours. You see, well, you've lost me immediately on that one, Matthew. I've got no idea. I've never drunk beer in my life. Never drunk beer. It's an odd... I never liked the taste of it. I've worked in pubs before, worked bars, and I've tried bitter beer. I've tried everything. And, uh, oh, my friend Simon... Morning, Simon. Says, Will and Kate will be in the Royal Box today watching the Andy Murray match. Sorry, Tarby. As I say, I don't mind Catherine Jenkins sitting in the Royal Box. I don't mind that at all. <laughs> but but some people, you think, but you have to know somebody. I mean, I know loads of people. I've got Princess Anne's phone number in my phone. Do you have to phone her up and say, could I use the Royal Box or do I need to know somebody at Wimbledon? Do I need to be a member of uh, of uh, of the All Lawn Tennis Association? Do you know, that's, that's, that that's could be my way in, couldn't it? I better quickly give you a time check, otherwise you'll panic. It's quarter past five. <laughs> Here this morning at seven, Nick Ferrari and the team. The budget. What do people want from the first Conservative budget since 1996? What are your concerns? And Ask Boris makes a welcome return to the radio. You can ask the Mayor and Conservative MP any question you fancy. And should we charter flights for people that want to go and join ISIS? Looking at the papers today, for Nick and the team, it's Nick Dubois, former MP for Enfield North, and advising the London mayoral candidate, Zach Goldsmith. And uh, also, so they're going to be talking about the budget with uh, Theo Usherwood. Uh, plus, oh, good Lord above, Tom Swarbrick is in Twickenham. Every time I go back to Twickenham, Tom, Tom Swarbrick is somewhere around. Uh, also, the Ashes start today in Cardiff. And the Tube Strike starts today at 6.30. So you need to be up to speed with it and to listen to uh, LBC and we'll, we'll keep you... Uh, going on it, but they're not going to get round the table again. It's highly unlikely it's going to be cancelled. They want to go ahead with it, so that was that. The other story that was in the uh, the papers, I still can't work out why Ilya Nastasi was dressed as a Romanian military chief sitting in the royal box. I mean, I can't quite work that out at all, never mind. Uh, Bill Cosby, shamed Bill Cosby, admitted giving powerful drugs to... Uh, to give to women he wanted sex with. He also admitted to giving uh, quaalude sedatives to a 19-year-old and others. This all emerged from um, a 2005 test case against him for sexual assault, which he, he paid compensation to. He settled privately, but the court documents have now emerged. Um, another person, uh, he admitted doping a teenager. He says, I give her uh, uh, quaaludes, we have sex. Never heard of such a thing. All these people who fall from grace. Bill Cosby is possibly one of the biggest stars in America. I mean, probably not now because of all these uh, allegations. And uh, and there's, there is a nice story in the paper today. Not that I think there's that many nice stories. Trying to find one is, is almost like looking for the proverbial needle in a haystack. And this is Terry Bradbury. Go on. Fans will know who, who Terry Bradbury is. He's um, a former retired Chelsea star. Used to play for Chelsea. And he's 75. He's an ex-midfielder. He comes from Buxton in Derbyshire. 
And um, guess what he, he's just done? He's just scooped the lottery at the age of 75. He's just scooped £5.5 million. He's uh, refused to comment when he was contacted, but obviously somebody's leaked the, uh, the name somewhere. And so he's going to be unveiled later today. I think he actually he began his career with Chelsea in 1957, f- I think it was, because I've got a family who are absolutely Chelsea crackers. And he went on to make... 29 appearances in the then First Division. Moved to Southend United in 62 for £6,000. That was the transfer fee, £6,000. Always seems like a joke, doesn't it? And then he switched to Leighton Orient in 1966. And uh, a spokeswoman for the lottery refused to confirm the identity of the jackpot winner, but I think it will be unveiled a little bit later on today. So well done to him. £5.5 million. That will make his... Uh, his remaining years very, very happy indeed. It's also Annie's birthday today, Bryn and Annie. If memory serves me, have I got that right, or am I, am I day backwards? It might be tomorrow, but anyway, many happy returns, Annie. I'm sure you'll have a lovely, lovely day. Over here, we've got uh, we've got wind and so anybody walking around in shorts today, you're definitely wearing the wrong clothes. Joe from the Windsor Borders, that could be Windsor Castle, we don't know, but uh, she saw Paloma Faith at Kew Gardens last night. They've started using that, have they, as a, as a venue? Very good. Off to Reading today for my daughter's graduation. She got a first in classical studies. Clever girl. Oh, yeah, my, my, my brother's two girls did very well, and they got... Now, you, you might have to tell me what, what, what this is, because I don't know anything about these sort of things. Um, and he was sort of saying to me earlier on, uh, wait a minute, where is it? He, he was sort of telling me what, what award they actually got, because I don't know what it is, actually. And they've got a 2-1. What's a 2-1? Does that mean anything? Do you know what that means? Is that good? Is a 2-1 good? It's a second-level degree. Oh, right. That's good. Right. Oh, f- you got a 2 Well, both my brother's daughters got 2-1s. So congratulations to them. Of course, it's a blooming nuisance for me because I've now got to give them money. I mean, because you have to, don't you? I'm sort of Uncle Steve, so Uncle Steve, have to, I mean, I don't know how much money you give somebody who gets a 2-1. Would a tenner be so, too insulting? <laughs> a tenner, can you imagine? A tenner. <laughs> yeah, of course, yeah. I mean, it would have been £400, £500 had you got a first, but you only got a 2-1. And my, uh, my producer says that's not as good. No, I think probably a couple of hundred each. Don't you think so? I mean, so they can go and buy something, like whatever you buy with a couple of hundred nowadays. Uh, so anyway, so clever girl there. So first in classical studies, even better, Joe. Far, far cleverer than our family. But at least they did well. At least they did well. I love Andy Murray, says Mike. And I hope he wins. I think he probably will, actually. Don't you think so? Don't you think? I don't know. I've never heard of any of these people who played tennis. I just know that I find it really embarrassing. They have to sit there with their bottle of sponsored water in front of them. It's always placed there. You know, they're not allowed to actually drink it. It's there because they get sponsorship. So even though you see them interviewed on the BBC, which isn't allowing product placement, the BBC have to go along with it. So the BBC do product placement. Uh, so don't ever believe them when they say they're not because they do it all the time. Um, he's got the most horrible voice. He speaks if he's being forced to talk. You see, the trouble with sportsmen and women, you're not really supposed to have great voices, are you? I thought Freddie Flintoff's was a very interesting voice. Seriously, I was quite surprised when he opened his mouth. I don't know what I was expecting. It certainly wasn't that. Uh, I'm fed up to the back teeth, Steve, of these underground drivers always going on strike. I mean, they get really good money, really good benefits, and they strike, strike, strike again and again and again, and it's driving me mad. 
Yes, while the tube drivers are on strike, use the opportunity of empty lines to train up some army guys and gals. My grandson can drive his sit-on Thomas the Tank Engine round his track. No problem. He's only two, says Mark. Everybody's called Mark on this programme. And uh, not long ago, I was on a bus when an old girl was getting on, says Martha. The, uh, the bus driver never gave her a chance to sit down and pulled off quick. She went flying. I did my nut, pulled the driver, and uh, he was a bit ignorant. Wouldn't even look at me. Luckily, she was only shaken up a little bit. They do need to have people skills. Yes, I, I agree with you. I've often, I mean, sometimes, you know, if I'm sort of clutching, you know, my ice cream and my... Uh, and my sort of bag of chips and my sausage and batter. It's very difficult to get to the seat without throwing it halfway down the floor. Uh, CJ says, I think we have the technology to do away with tube drivers. Trains could be run on autopilot by computer. Bit scary. Well, they seem to have it elsewhere at, um, is it Gatwick Airport? They've got an automatic train there. The doors open and close and, uh, and the thing runs along. I suppose you could effectively run that. Uh, and it just base it on a computer. It doesn't really matter if somebody's... I mean, do you need somebody there? I mean, driverless trains, I think, are possibly, possibly the future. I might be wrong, but, um, you know, it, it could certainly happen easily. Uh, 84850, Steve at LBC, Gideon's Way, yes, it is. And um, another one here, legislation makes organising a strike so difficult, says John. There has to be a legitimate grievance to get required support. Yes, I'm sure. I'm sure, absolutely. Uh, tube drivers, uh, this one here, uh, Steve, are are not nurses or firefighters. Unfortunately, I've now lost the uh, the rest of it. Wait a minute. Oh, there we go. Uh, if you want comparators, try comparing wages in the rail industry. And another one here. Somebody says, uh, LBC will only report what they think wind up the audience. Don't be so silly. <laughs> it doesn't work like that at all, as you know. It can only work if, if you're telling the truth. You can't, it's no point in winding. Why would you want to wind up an audience? I mean, that's, that's the ramblings of somebody delusional. I mean, you know, nobody ever thinks anything like that, do they? I don't think they do. If they do, uh, they're very much treading the wrong track. Uh, Ian says, uh, I used to be a bus driver, but I had to leave. People kept talking behind my back. I sometimes sit in that seat. I sometimes sit in that seat. You know when you get the one behind the driver? I like, I like to pretend I'm driving the bus. <laughs> Seriously, years in. We used to. Do you remember years ago you could buy? And I don't know if they still do them. They do a stick-on steering wheel for kids, and you stick it onto the onto the dashboard, and and the kid could pretend to drive the car. I quite like that. I learned to drive in a car with dual controls. Never heard of such a thing. And so I remember trying to. And I had a woman uh, teaching me to drive. So we were constantly shopping, constantly stopping so she could go shopping. Sorry, I screwed that one up completely. Start again, Stephen. I was taught by a woman to drive. We were constantly parking up so she could go shopping and do her makeup and things like that. No, no, but we had dual controls on the car. And I remember going over a little bridge in my little hometown and uh, I was going to go over orange lights and she pushed the brake and we stalled and my friends were going past and I felt such an idiot. <laughs> I still passed. Second time. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't particularly good at passing first time. So, other stories in the papers um, today. Uh, Jane Moore is talking about benefits for terror cleric. We are PC mugs of the world, which is exactly what we said yesterday. Actually, I do like Jane Moore. You know I like her uh, column. But I did see something yesterday that put terror into everybody. And she was so dreadful at it, I nearly wrote a letter of complaint. I, I, I listened to this dreary voice of Colleen Nolan, who they let front loose women. I'm assuming they're doing it so it shows her up. 
for the person who can't present on the television. It was ghastly. She could barely read auto-cue. There was she, all the wrong... Infle- everything was wrong about it. She's not strong enough. She's just a, a member of the Nolans. OK, that's not a, not, not a, re- a requisite for fronting a programme. Uh, Jane Moore talks about survivors, you know, marking the 10th anniversary of this terrorist atrocity and, you know, and why we pay benefits to these people who hate us. People who happily applaud this kind of thing. As far as I'm concerned, why can't we just have snatch squads that go round, grab these people late at night and kick them out? Kick them out. Go somewhere else. We don't want you here. About time we stood up for ourselves. You know, if Mr Cameron's going to make any impact, he better start. I watched a programme... Oh, I'm late. I'll have to tell you about this programme I watched yesterday about people trying to get rid of tenants that they didn't want. It's 5.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. Uh, Jane is also talking about uh, US tennis star Bethany Matic Sands, well known for her eye-catching outfits. She's been complaining about Wimbledon's all-white dress code. Oh, shut up, you silly woman. Just get on with it. Bethany, dear, she says, if you concentrated more on your tennis and less on making headlines through your ghastly attire, you might be higher than 158 in the rankings. Exactly. Get your hair sorted out, dear. Bleached is never a good look at all. I did like, actually, one of the columnists, and I can't find it at the moment, but I will do, because it says exactly what every single one of you are thinking about uh, Karen and uh, Simon Danshuk. Uh, plus, uh, Kerry Katona, still dragging out her dreary marriage, and her little husband, George Kay, ended up in hospital just hours after she kicked him out. Oh, is it wonderful? I, I do love couples that are so, so well-suited. The former rugby league professional, was he really? Good heavens. Uh, was carted off by ambulance after he suffered an episode at a budget hotel. Well, I mean, we've all had episodes at budget hotels, haven't we? This is a year after he was detained under the Mental Health Act following a meltdown outside the home. And a source said, this'll be her, George didn't take Kerry's decision well. He bolted off and went out. Um, uh, it all came to a head later at the hotel where he had an episode. That's what they call it now if you're in, if you're in Chav world. It's an episode. We have, what are you having, dear? I'm having an episode. Oh, right, OK. <laughs> Who cares? Does anybody really care about Kerry Coke Toner and her dreary husband? No, we don't care at all, actually. And, uh, and I'm not sure I care about, um, about a little girl called Izzy Cornthwaite. Izzy Cornthwaite is eight years old, and she's now persuaded Disney to alter labelling on its character costumes after complaining her Darth Vader outfit was marked for boys. Because he's a man. Something the matter with an eight-year-old who wants to dress up as Darth Vader. Anyway, Izzy sent an email and the movie giant decided to switch on four kids. So that's what they've done. They've switched four kids now. Uh, her, her mother, Becky, who comes from Chorley in Lancashire. We don't know much about Chorley. Sorry, what were they what? What's... If a midget wants to wear it, well, I don't know. Midgets... Well, it's for kids. Well, midgets are not allowed to wear it because it's not for them. It's, it's for children. It's a children's outfit. I nearly did the voice then. I said it was. I couldn't do the voice. <laughs> For some strange reason. Yeah, it was like, sounded a bit asthmatic, didn't I, really? Sounded a bit like James O'Brien when he's walked up the stairs into the office first thing in the morning. He looks a bit asthmatic. But anyway, so um, there was no Princess Leia suit or anything to do with girls, so she bought Darth Vader. <laughs> Why is it about eight-year-olds that want to dress up? We never dressed up. Oh, I tell a lie, I did actually at Christmas. I was one of the three kings, which was, had to sing the song. And I've got it on. I was quite good, actually. I thought I was fairly good. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but Disney have now, uh, have now changed. 
Which is good, isn't it? So they've they've said, yes, we will change it, and it's going to be for kids. For kids. So I quite like that idea. Quite like that idea. I've done something funny with my computer again, Will, and I don't know what I've done, but I can't get... I've, I've, I've gone into a screen, and I can't get rid of it. And I don't know what it is. I have to plead ignorance sometimes on this programme. I have to sort of sit down and go, I'm really sorry. I don't know why I've done this thing. I opened up something because I couldn't find somebody's name. And it turned out to be Mickey, who's really Mike. And, and now I've got it. I can't, I can't lose that bit of... What do I have to do to lose that bit of screen? Sorry, it's like a lesson. I could be, like, I could be driving a tube train, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. I could be driving a tube train. Oh, right. What have you done it? I will do in a moment. Uh, OK, right. It's very exciting, this. Hope you're following this at home. If you're listening in stereo, I'm on the right hand. Oh, you've done it. I'm on the right-hand side of the speaker. I reckon I could dri- If I could drive a bus, I could probably drive a tube train. I can't drive a bus, I'm just saying. I've seen people learning to drive buses, and I've thought, you know, I, I could probably do that. I could do that. Uh, the Benefits Mum of 12, this is uh, little Cheryl Prudum. Little Cheryl doesn't do anything apart from lie on her back and pop out another kid. And uh, she's depressed. Oh, dear. Why is she depressed? Her breasts have shrunk. Oh, God. At the age of 33, she was left flat-chested after having her latest baby. This is when she demanded a caesarean costing £2,500. She doesn't actually work. You know, they don't, they don't bother contributing to society. So, to be honest with you, I see no reason why we should offer any sympathy whatsoever. I'd quite like to offer sympathy to, to, to Frank Lampard. Go away. Stay away in New York. And can you take your, uh, your girlfriend? I'm ready to marry Christine, even though we will be 3,000 miles apart. No, believe you me, she can move there. Her television commitments are very thin on the ground. Take her out there. Go on, take her out there, please. Keep her out there. Perhaps she can try and get a job on American television. Unlikely, but, you know, I might do it. It's a Sun exclusive this morning on uh, on dreary old Frank. So he's going to America. Who cares? I'm going to lose sleep over it. However, I was slightly, slightly disturbed about um, some people in Anglesey in North Wales. So they were, they were sort of outside their houses, as people do. And they're looking up and out of a drain pipe crawls a python. This is a python, which is a Burmese python. It's 12 feet long. Now, you know my aversion to snakes. I'm not very good with snakes at all. Not good with spiders or, or anything else like that. Midgets I'm not too good with. And um, and it, it then starts climbing down um, a long length of wire. It's 20 feet up. 20 feet up. So luckily, because the neighbours saw it, um, they actually got it. Because these uh, pythons, they do constricting, don't they? It sort of it, it sort of disappeared down next door's drain pipe, but they managed to get it back again. That would frighten the life out of me. It really would. Seriously, I don't, I don't like that kind of thing. Uh, also, the uh, the Hilton Rothschild mega marriage again. The papers are sort of doing this this ridiculous thing on um, Nikki Hilton, who they insist on calling a U.S. hotel heiress. They say bride is heir to one point five billion pound hotel fortune. They sold the Hilton chain ages ago. I don't know why they keep doing it. Perhaps it's just sloppy journalism. She's not heir to anything at all. It's like saying that Millie McIntosh is heir to the McIntosh Toffee Factory. You know, they, they sort of put these things up there and nobody, nobody ever sort of corrects it. And so it just goes into history. It spends ages. Apparently the DLR trains in London are driverless, says Max in uh, Richmond. Oh, benefits by the sea, says Anna. Awful. I didn't... Uh, I, did, I can't watch that. I watched a programme yesterday instead about landlords who had to go to court to get rid of uh, tenants who hadn't paid. And one particular tenant was um, a lawyer, a woman, who hadn't bothered paying at all. She was a crook. There was no two ways about it. She was living there, she wasn't paying any rent, and the bloke wanted her out. And so they'd found some weedy bloke 
who had sort of... They didn't actually need to do any strong-arm thing at all. I was hoping they were going to go around there and smash the door out and drag him out. She owed £12,000. Her father came out. They were able to drive a car, but they can't be bothered to pay their thing. And so she'd left damage in there, which was thousands of pounds. But the bloke seemed just grateful to have got rid of her. And um, and I watched this programme. I felt thoroughly depressed. If you're a landlord trying to get people out... One of my uh, neighbours rented out her flat some time ago. And she got two blokes in who, well, by the time they'd finished, the place had to be replastered and everything. Literally, they'd almost had, like, a mini flood inside there. Some people are just disgusting. They are disgusting. I warn anybody now, if you're thinking of renting, and you're renting through an estate agent, just make sure that they go round and check, because you know the disaster we had renting my mother's flat out? Turned out the uh, the crooked estate agent didn't bother going round checking at all. They had mattresses all over the place. They were sleeping loads of people. And watching this programme last night, I felt thoroughly sick. You know, that's when the bailiffs come round, literally smash down the door, throw them out on the street. And, uh, you know, and one time they, they, they sort of knock on the door. The owner of the flat knocks on the door and a voice goes, yes. He goes, listen, you're supposed to be out of the property yesterday. No, I understand. And of course he said, of course you do. You were in court the other day. You know, you'd be given time to get out. Now you're out. No, I understand. And that was their answer. You see, at that moment, I'd have flattened the door down and dragged them out screaming by their hair, thrown them out in the street and thrown all their stuff out on top of them. Get the locks changed, that's it. Go and do something else. As it turned out, one of these these crooks inside this house had changed the locks from the inside and got out the back door. So his key didn't even work. Ghastly programme. But benefits by the sea. No, no, I'd be tempted to push them all in and hold them under, I'm afraid. Uh, so, um, so DLR. Everybody telling me about DLR trains. Is that uh, Docklands like... Like railway, isn't it? So they're driverless, are they? Oh, right. Oh, well, there you go. I've learned something new today. Uh, Lenny's sitting by a pool in Turkey. Lovely. <laughs> don't don't tell me about holidays. I don't want to know about holidays at the moment. <laughs> and uh, if my grandson is two, driving his toy train, isn't he fully trained now, says Paul? Could we not give him a job? Well, I suppose we could, yes, at two years. It'd be quite interesting to watch, wouldn't it? <laughs> Somebody says... Uh, uh, while you're being the last sane voice in an insane world, all I say is shout it a bit louder. I just can't... I mean, somebody actually... I mean, obviously somebody who's a bit simple in the head sort of thought that I was wrong in criticising the bulls for attacking the people in Pamplona. No, I was hoping fatalities. I'll be quite honest about it. Hoping fatalities. They have this every year. When are they going to stop it? When are they going to stop bullfighting? You know, that's that's the sort of thing. I mean, I just can't understand it. Have you noticed that in America they are removing Bill Cosby's star? Are they going to give him his money back? This is uh, this uh, Hollywood Walk of Fame is set up by the self-styled mayor of Hollywood who charges people to put a star on the pavement. It's the biggest racket going. They charge about 20,000 quid and the celebrity's got to pay for it. So I'm assuming some of Bill Cosby's fans obviously paid for that. Uh, Caroline is on her way home from uh, from dog walking. She says, I think Kerry Katona's kids have seen enough by now. Can't be a good environment to grow up in. It can't be a good environment at all. A mother who can barely string two words together, who's got a, a husband who uh, they need to separate as quick as possible. And then somebody else said the other day, who was it who told me? I can't remember. Somebody said that um, uh, her ex-husband, Brian McFadden, he split from his wife, Vogue, I think. There's a big surprise. Didn't see that one coming. Expect another girl on the horizon very, very shortly. What is it with these people in show business that cannot, cannot really, you know, accept the fact that, you know, show business is just a little bit, you know, 
It's ridiculous. <laughs> 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Oh, Mike, I wouldn't know the answer to that one, but I'm sure you probably had a good guess, haven't you? Uh, isn't Twickenham served by First Great Western? No, South uh, Southwestern. Southwestern, I think. And, um, and Bonnie Craven, the tirade by Steve Allen... Just now, read Darth Vader was utterly unacceptable. Oh, grow up. <laughs> grow up, stupid person. Honestly. It's a man, Darth Vader. It's a man. Dear God in heaven, honestly, some people. You're not on... Wait a minute. She looks like she's on medication. This could be one of those medicated ones. Here's the, uh, the Ryan Air. This is the bloke from Coronation Street. You know about Ryan Thomas, don't you? He's just enjoyed his fifth break this summer. Nothing the matter with that. He's a bankrupt. He's a bankrupt. He's not paid his tax bill. He's off on these holidays. He's doing £2,000 a night club appearances. He's not paid his £40,000 tax bill. Last night, a source close to Ryan claimed some of the jaunts were work trips and insisted he was still committed to paying back his debt. Let's see it, shall we, pal? He's just taken delivery of a, a Mercedes SL, 75 grand. I want to be bankrupt. I want to be bankrupt. I really do. I can't wait to be bankrupt, if that's what it means. Five holidays in as many months and a £75,000 car. Ooh, let me be bankrupt like Ryan, please. Quarter to six is the... Steve Allen on LBC. Well, we told you the story yesterday about uh, poor old Nancy Delusional, now known as Dan- Nancy with no money, apparently. Uh, she's lost her home. She's now facing financial crisis because quite presumably... Well, I'm guessing... That, uh, presumably? No, I'm guessing that uh, she can't live within her means. Although, to be honest with you, I mean, the worst-dressed woman with a dead bird on her head, I've never seen anybody so badly dressed. Somebody who is so, you know, in their own little world. I thought she was a hotshot lawyer from Italy. Turns out, quite clearly, she's not. She certainly can't live within her means, so never mind. Down on your luck. Perhaps you might have to accept the fact that nobody's really interested in you anymore. And it's all a bit sad. I like the programme which is coming up on the telly. I think it's tonight about the estate agents helping Russian criminals launder cash by buying mansions. And uh, this is a programme uh, on Channel 4. And it's reputable companies, reputable companies agreeing to move forward with the move. An undercover investigator, uh, journalists posing as corrupt Russian politicians, not too difficult to find those, uh, and girlfriends, were viewing five mansions in London with prices ranging for £3 million to £15 million. And... Um, the estate agents go as far as to offer advice on how Boris, the cover name used by the investigator Roman Borisovich, can hide his criminal activity and complete the sale anonymously. It's called From Russia with Cash, which airs tonight. Uh, Chido Dunn from the campaign group Global Witness uh, said London has become the money laundering capital of the world. Not at all surprised. You've got bent estate agents. It doesn't really help, does it? Uh, also, crude, vulgar and cheap. No, not Karen Danshuk again. This is uh, M&S Fashions, savaged by the store's former designer. I was always told, and it's a, it's a good hard and fast rule, and lots of you have followed it over the years, as I offered it about 30 years ago, which is, if you want to buy a decent outfit, Marks and Spencer's women out, women's outfits are fairly good. Change the buttons. If you change the buttons, then uh, that means you've got an outfit which is... Totally yours. Totally yours. And uh, and always works. Always works. And then nobody will go, oh, that looks the same as Marks and Spencer's. Oh, different buttons. Different buttons. Uh, Mike, 
thinks that uh, LBC wind up the public. You must get that chip off your shoulder, Mike. Seriously. It's making out to be a very simple person. Uh, Michael Barrymore in the... It's obviously Mike's day today. Michael Barrymore suing the police for loss of earnings after his pool death arrest. He's never been charged with anything. Now, I, I don't know what went on that night any more than you know what went on that night and any more that Stuart Lubbock's father knows what went on that night. Somebody must do, but it was such a long time ago now. So he went from Michael Barrymore, two and a half million pound deal for television. He was very successful for ITV to bankruptcy. He was living with friends. He did a few, uh, few television programmes, but uh, it, it effectively killed his, uh, his contracts overnight, he became untouchable. They couldn't put somebody on the television like that in the same way that you couldn't put Stuart Hall back on the television. You can't put loads of people who are now... Pre- Rolf Harris, you can't put back on the television, you know, in any way, shape or form. And I do feel a little bit aggrieved that the Daily Mail are saying, Nasty Novak, let's rip at ball girl. He didn't really. He didn't really. He's got a very good reputation with the ball boys and girls. You know how much they earn for two weeks at Wimbledon? 165 quid. What a meanie old club, eh? What a meanie old club. 165 pounds for two weeks' work. That's not very nice, is it? I'm sure they could uh, do a little bit, a little bit better. Uh, and tennis has now seen the return of Claire Claire Balding sitting in a in a chair, uh, interviewing people. It's still very dreary. Still very dreary. And Rita Ora is trying to outdo Cheryl in the uh, in the skimpy stakes and. Um, I think she'll probably do that. I think she'll be a lot feisty. Poor old Cheryl. You'll suddenly realise that Cheryl Cole Versace Vassini Spagbowl has got not a lot to talk about because Rita Ora's got loads to talk about. It's one thing she can do. She can, uh, she can talk for the country. Roger Cook on a chilling threat from the fearsome gangster. That's uh, John Palmer. Uh, pictured in the paper with his wife Marnie in 87. He's dead now. He was shot dead in his front garden. He said the day Goldfinger put a £20,000 bounty on his head because Roger Cook used to do these investigative programmes, the Cook Report. They were quite interesting. Some were set up. Some were set up. But uh, there was a telephone death threat cut off. He'd run out of coins. But anyway, uh, I should imagine that uh, John Palmer must have known it was, uh, it was, it was on borrowed time. You know, he was another one associated with the Brinks mat robbery and now uh, dead, shot in his garden. And I just imagine there's probably other people who are involved in it as well. Must be something, mustn't it, that you're not aware of out of out of this. Um, what else we got here? Oh, old Grimmy's got a boyfriend. Well, he's not really. He's some tattooed mancuni. He's got his neck tattooed. Obviously, real class act. Bet, bet old Grimmy's parents can't wait to see that one taken home. And uh, and more on the girl's Vader outfit. Uh, Sith the sexist. And this is Disney altering the label because they say the Darth Vader outfit was marked for boys, which, of course, because Darth Vader was a man. You know, as far as I know, Darth Vader with his uh, was not a woman. Unless it's Maria Sharapova doing one of her shouting things. Uh, other things is that the young batsman has died after being struck in the chest by a cricket ball. It's more wonder these people have to uh, cover themselves up practically with body armour now. A little bit uh, dangerous. But, uh, but the other good news is that the mother of cop killer, this is uh, Dale Cregan's mother, as bent as they come, of course, yesterday pleaded guilty to a mortgage fraud scheme. Anita Cregan, ugly as well as bent, admitted two fraud charges, one of obtaining property by deception, just as her trial was due to start. She uh, changed her name and moved after threats. She lied about earning 50 grand a year to get loans to buy a house in her son's name, as if anybody seriously would ever lend money to anybody called Dale Cregan. Anyway, 
Uh, he's serving life for the murders of PC Nicola Hughes and Fiona Bone. They're quite a ghastly family. They really are. And um, let's hope that she gets thrown in prison as well. Absolutely ridiculous. It really is. Uh, other stories. What was this a picture of? Oh, no. It's, uh, we've already done that one, haven't we? And here's Marnie Simpson. No. Sorry. We've forgotten about you, Marnie. I had no idea you were still going. And um, uh, this is Hollyoaks Beauty. Twinny Lee Moore. Anybody on that one? No, I've never heard of her either. But apparently, in fact, I don't think anybody watches Hollyoaks at all. I think their audience must be practically on the ground. She plays troubled Portia McQueen. No, still none the wiser. But anyway, she's got an abuse storyline, had her in tears. And apparently to prepare for the harrowing plot, she read Behind Closed Doors by Martine McCutcheon's mum, the author Jenny Tomlin. Good heavens, honestly. Imagine people in Hollyoaks, ladies and gentlemen, actually doing research for a part in Hollyoaks. Becker's belief, doesn't it, really? Whereas I thought most of them just sort of got themselves together to to sort of gear up to do a reality show when we all say, who are they? And they go, they're in Hollyoaks. And that's as far as it goes. Uh, A question of trust. Osborne Firm sells land to offshore outfit. Chancellor profits as deal avoids £2 million tax. That's an interesting one on budget day, isn't it? Can't wait to hear what we get. I'm going to be so glued to the radio later on to find out exactly what's going to be happening and so glued to the radio to uh, to find out exactly uh, what's going to be... Uh What's going to be going on? Read the strike. They've said it might actually take until Friday to sort it out. Alison Phillips. I have to read this because it's good. She says, and thank you to Mr and Mrs Danshuk for their masterclass in how not to end your marriage. The carryings on of this pair of self-obsessed loons have been played out in full view of the public over the past week like a Christmas Day episode of EastEnders, but less classy and with more cleavage. So pass the Quality Street and let's catch up. If you don't know who they are, and there's no good reason why you should, don't worry. It's a kind of irrelevant argument. He's a backbench Labour MP from somewhere in Lancashire, and she's the wife of a backbench Labour MP from somewhere in Lancashire. Her other claim to moderate passing interest... It ain't fame, Karen. It's a predilection for getting her jugs out on Twitter. And that's all she does. Let's not get bogged down in the details of it. They've been playing it large. So it kicked off when she said the marriage was over. He said he was heartbroken. She said he didn't like her getting all the attention. He said she'd been getting personal with her trainer. She said he was well out of it. So it went backwards and forwards. These two pairs, life and and complicated for two non-entities. The worst part of it is that Karen and Simon aren't even unusual. She wants to get her frustrations off her chest along with her clothes. He just wants to be known. And they are just another pathetic pair of narcissistic fools playing out their personal battles in public. Believing their protestations will earn them sympathy or justification or a fortnight on I'm a Celebrity, when all they've really done is advertise themselves as unintelligent idiots, so selfish they are innately unsuited to the selfless role of parenthood. But it matters... Everything as to how those two issues will be resolved. And this is, he was a boorish boozer because they're adults and they'll make their own way. And life is long and it is complicated, she says. But there are two children involved. For the damage done now could probably well last a lifetime. And those children deserve a whole lot better than this selfie shambles. They're a pathetic pair of buffoons, ladies and gentlemen. No talent at all. She claims in one interview the other day she's sick of the press intrusion. Why don't you just go away, stick your head in a hole in Lancashire and stay there forever and a day? You're a stupid pair. You really are. Talentless, unappealing, really just doggedly going on blindly, thinking that people are interested in their useless marriage. As I say, as Alison says, it's the children you feel sorry for. They have to put up with this. And in years to come, they'll be reading all about silly mummy and even sillier daddy. 
Because, to be honest with you, they're not worth that. Although she claims in one interview that she's been inundated with offers. Babe Station, I'm suggesting. I can't think of anything else. So it's nice to have a nice story in the paper that Gilbert O'Sullivan is still going strong 45 years later. He says, I never wanted to be a star, just a successful songwriter. And if you want to find out just how good he is, you can go and uh, download the podcast that we did with Gilbert O'Sullivan. I was so desperate to talk to him. Such a big fan. And the interview's actually very good. Actually, they're all very good. I'm looking forward this week. Who are we talking to this week? Oh, we've got somebody from Dragon's Den. Deborah Meaden's coming in. (sighs) How will that turn out? We shall find out probably on Friday, and you'll probably hear it this weekend. It's Budget Day. It's Wednesday, the 8th of July. Tax cuts for millions. What will happen? Cigarettes up, booze up, everything up. Petrol tax up, probably. Uh, what else? TV lights? Oh, no, that's nothing to do with them. And uh, we'll wait and find out. Tube strike day from 6.30. It's all going to collapse, and uh, we'll all just sort of carry on with it, and if we see a tube driver, we'll probably go, boo! Boo you! Ruining our day. If you want to get to hospital, you'll just have to take uh, taxis. Of course, taxis don't care about it. They love stuff like this. Barrymore sues the police for the murder arrest. Never been charged. Stuart Lubbock's father is furious. But there again, he would be, I suppose. But he doesn't know the facts. In fact, I don't think any of us know the facts on that. Uh, The scientists say dementia can be reversed. And the rise of Viagra. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. On FM. Online. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. It's five minutes past six. It's Wednesday, the 8th of July. It's budget day. It's tube strike day. Oh, whoopee-doo. What a, what a lovely day we have ahead of us. There'll be special programmes on LBC. We'll take you through the budget. We'll guide you through the tube strike. We stick two fingers up to people like that. We don't care. We'll, have to, we'll get there. What are we going to do? Sit outside the station crying? Of course not, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to be getting there and we shall do it. Uh, we shall do it as usual. We'll get there. Nothing will actually stop us at all. Scientists say dementia. We can actually reverse it. Hope they do it fairly quickly. Uh, the serial killer who's cast doubts on the McCann story. It's the ramblings of Peter Sutcliffe. And um, Novak leaves a ball girl in tears. But it wasn't as bad as that. He apologised. He said sorry. And he's got a very good reputation. I don't think they're trying to make something out of nothing. It's just that Maria Sharapova. Can't she keep quiet or something? I mean, how, how do you have to be so noisy? And uh, the Essex police who have selfies taken with drunks. They go out there. Apparently, Essex police have said this is part of sort of entente cordiale. This is a way of ingratiating the police and they can explain about everything. But the people having pictures taken with a drunk. They won't understand anything at all, apart from the fact, you know, it's a policeman and having a selfie taken. They do it at the Notting Hill Carnival. That doesn't seem to change anything down there at all. And the interesting story on the front of the mirror about Michael Barrymore suing the police for murder is that Stuart Lubbock's father said he was disgusted. He was told by the police... Why would they be telling Stuart Lubbock's father that Michael Barrymore was suing them for the murder arrest? I mean, what sort of betrayal of confidence is that? Are they supposed to be saying things like that? I don't think so. As you know, he says, I'm totally disgusted. Why would you be? Why would you be? I mean, unfortunately, and tragic though it is, and it's a story that's dragged on for ages and ages, Michael Barrymore's career collapsed after this. He's never been charged with anything. Surely, if they thought they had any evidence, they, they would have charged him. But they haven't got any evidence. He was at one end of the thing. The swimming pool was at the other end of it. And nobody knows for sure exactly what happens. He claims he can't remember what happened on that night. 
and nobody else seems to know what was going on. So, you know, because his career collapsed, he quite clearly feels aggrieved, so he's going to sue the police. Whether it comes to anything, I don't know. We'll have to wait and find out, won't we? But uh, he's been declared bankrupt. Um, we know he's done drugs before. We know that he's been a loose cannon. We know everything about him. But, you know, it, I mean, who knows? You know, do, do people get off their faces on so many drugs that things happen that they're not aware of? I don't know. I'm assuming yes. I have to assume yes after the story that I gave you earlier on about the man in America who jumped into the crocodile lake shouting the crocodiles without realising, you know, I mean, you'd have to be on drugs, wouldn't you? Not to know that crocodiles are not going to back off and go, oh, look, somebody wants to come swim with us. No, so they, uh, they, they took him and they, they killed him. And yes, Francisco, Francisco, the, um, the British Empire is coming back, the BBC have confirmed, possibly for a special at Christmas time. Now, whether or not... I mean, most of you seem to quite like the idea of it coming back as a special. Um, it didn't... Um, it didn't actually do any damage to the ratings at all, even though it's been repeated on numerous occasions. And I think you will find that they had something like 53 episodes. It finished at about 1997, and it was getting 10 million people viewing. But that was... If, if you look back... In 1997, you'll find out that 97, there wasn't that much competition. So anything that was on the television used to get fantastic audiences. I mean, 10 million compared to what some people were actually getting was not great. But in, in terms of, you know, all sorts of things nowadays, nothing gets audiences like that. And the nearest you actually get to it is, um, I would think, something like Coronation Street or EastEnders. That would be the only thing. Uh, anyway, so uh, more in the papers today on, uh, on Barrymore and... Um, Stuart Lubbock's father says, I'm totally disgusted by this. I can't believe the audacity of Barrymore. He doesn't know anything. You know, he's been a thorn in the side of Michael Barrymore for ages. I understand where he's coming from. I totally understand it. Totally understand it. What I don't get is, how can he be disgusted by it? What, because he's suing the police because they claimed he did something and he didn't? Unless Stuart Lubbock's father seems to know something he didn't know. But, I mean, the, the person at the centre of it is Michael Barrymore, who claims not to know anything at all. The Apple Watch makes the papers. They've said it's a, a real eye-flop. Sales, they've said, are 90% down. A friend of mine's got one. He loves it. He really does like it. I, I looked at it, and people kept writing in saying, are you going to, uh, are you going to get one? And I'm, oh, I don't know, because they're, you know, I think actually... I think, actually, that this is sort of the kind of thing that I could probably live without. Probably the kind of thing I, I can live without. Because I've seen it. It's very nice. It's very sweet. And it's, it's a nice bit of technology. But can I justify the money on it? No. And also, because Prince Andrew had one, that killed it stone dead for me. I decided if he had it, I definitely didn't want it at all. I can't bear Prince Andrew, so I'm certainly not going to be going for anything. And he was deliberately displaying it, so I'm assuming it was one of his freebies. I'm assuming. I have no idea, but it might have been. Uh, £30 billion budget cut. The Sun have on the front page. And they reckon this will be the boldest budget in a decade. He's planning to save £30 billion by targeting welfare, the civil service and tax avoidance. Whew, blimey. Can't wait to see. This is going to be a revelation today. There's going to be so much speculation on all the programmes, aren't there? From all the way through this morning. And then when we finally get round to it, then people say, see, told you. All the things you'd heard on LBC, absolutely right. Uh, read the tube shifts, Steve. Uh, very easy, says uh, Mark. Put the new night shifts onto a new rotor and ask for volunteers to go on the rotor. That way, the bus companies, they operate their unpopular shifts like that. You see, some people like working nights. I don't know why people think nights is not great. It's fantastic. Admittedly, it's a few doolally people out there. Like poor old Mike with all the chips on his shoulder. He's a bit Harry, Harry Ramsden. 
you know, he's, he's not quite got all his marbles in the same place, poor soul. But uh, apart from that, you know, what can you do about it? People want to work night. The producer works nights. He like, it suits him down to the ground. Suits him down to the ground. Wife hates him. Never bothers going home. You know, so consequently. I mean, it's, it's an ideal situation. He gets in in the morning. She gets out of the bed. It's nice and warm. OK, see the advantage. He gets in warm bed, snuggles pillow, whole bed to himself. Fantastic. She goes off to work, earns some money, comes back. He gets out of bed. They have tea. He comes to work. Back next day, the same routine. She keeps the bed warm. And that's what it is. So they haven't had to waste murderously expensive electricity on an electric blanket, on a hot water bottle or anything like that at all. So, in fact, marrying her was actually quite, quite a cheap option. It was brilliant. They did the Prosecco. So they've got that. Well, it definitely wasn't a cheap option. But, I mean, you know, it works out well. Night, lovely climbing to bed, which has been vacated by somebody who sort of made it all nice and warm and snuggly. And you could still smell them in the bed, if they're incontinent. But it's, it's sort of one of those nice things. You think, that's brilliant. It works out well. Works out well. So I don't know why people always say, you know, night work is, is really awful. There's a whole... This is London. We are a 24-hour city. There's just as many people out there at night as there are sometimes during the daytime. People love it. It's quite... You ask the bus drivers who work at night. Do you like working at night? Absolutely. Why? Because the buses are fairly empty. It's great. Except for Dan's bus the other morning where he had the person who wasn't very well. But normally speaking, it's lovely. You get the people delivering the milk, the people delivering the bread, the people delivering, you know, the amount of lorries that whiz about all over the place, up and down the country. People love it. You know, who wants to drive in London during a day shift? I've been in London during a day shift. It's a nightmare. Everything sits in traffic jams. Horrible. Nighttime, much nicer, much nicer. Uh, the Tory budget will raise 40 pence threshold, says the Daily Mail, but there's a sting in the tail on the child tax credits. George's tax cut for the middle class. And um, the cold-calling charities told to clean up their act. This was exposed by the Mail the other day. The British Red Cross, Oxfam, the NSPCC and Macmillan's have been accused of using boiler room call centres to ruthlessly hit fundraising targets. It's a disgrace and they should hang their heads in shame. Absolutely. Some people in the papers today say they've been targeted. One woman who's been, I think, targeted 8 to 10 calls a day, a 72-year-old. 8 to 10 calls a day for a 72-year-old. My answer is, and my advice is, don't answer the phone. Do not answer the phone. There's no point, unless you know who it is. If it's somebody, get an answer phone. If it's somebody important, they'll leave a message. Once you hear them talking, you pick up the phone. Don't pick up the call to cold callers. I mean, it's so simple now. You know, families should be buying people. Um, really, answer phones. You can buy, they're all built into the phone. It's not even complicated, is it, at all? Uh, 84850, uk. Oh, a quick uh, time check for you, because we've got quite a lot to get in. Oh, it's also the story of the strangers who wed for a reality TV show. But, of course, it was only a joke. They, they, they've split up already. A bit like Brian McFadden and Kerry Katona. What a, what a heavenly place it is. Quarter past six. Steve Allen on LBC. 6.20 is the time. I, I keep getting excited about the budget, and then I get depressed about the budget. And then I think, am I going to be better off? At the end of the day, and I'm, I'm sincerely hoping that I'm going to be a little bit better off, because that's all we want, isn't it? At the end of the day, you want to make sure you're better off. Luckily, I don't smoke. If they put money on a, on a bottle of uh, wine, I'm not going to be too bothered about that. Uh, the mortgage rate's not going to affect me too much. But it's these, uh, it's these child tax credits which interest me. If he's looking to save something like, what did we say, £30 billion. This is going to be very interesting. It's going to be, it's going to be uh, 
put people on benefits, isn't it? Quite, quite literally. Uh, Alzheimer's can be beaten, say the Express. They always run with a medical story. They're like a medical story or a weather story or a Princess Diana story. And today they've gone for medical. And it's the kind of headline that anybody who's got somebody suffering with Alzheimer's, be it in the uh, early stages or midway through, that's the kind of thing you want to hear about. And then you realise that it's not going to happen for a long, long time. They say one day... We hope to be able to use these measures to reverse it. We can reverse Alzheimer's. Do you think? There's so many, we haven't even found the cure for the common cold. But uh, anything that raises the hopes of people, the better, as far as I'm concerned. And it's now official. Helen Mirren is naturally beautiful. Naturally beautiful. I never doubted it for an instant. I never doubted it for an instant. And they've got a picture of her which has not been uh, touched up. And that's what that's what they say. I mean, I don't know. I mean, she is just one of those people. I think she I mean, she's lucky. She photographs very, very well. Uh, Patrice says, have they started building the new Costco at Reading? Reading? What behind the Majeski Stadium? It's been there for about the past 10 years. Where have you come from? And uh, another one here. Uh, So more demonstrations from those seeking their lifestyle or seeing their lifestyles under threat. Says Doug, I presume none of these people who bother to find a job have time to demonstrate their disgust at the taxpayers who subsidise them. Is our tame champagne socialist Russell Brand going to show his support and vent his spleen? Man's an idiot. Man's an idiot. I don't know why we bother with people like that. Again, he'd be another one that I'd be putting in my aircraft and uh, just opening the doors somewhere over the uh, somewhere over some ocean just to see. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Doug says, LBC winding the audience up. Bring it on. Yes, I mean, I mean, some people are obviously very easy to wind up because they're obviously a bit clockwork. Uh, other people <laughs> slightly more, you know, poor old uh, so-and-so this morning with a chip on his shoulder. Raining in Feltham, says little Julie, as we predicted. And that's good news. Probably not good news for those people who don't enjoy the rain, but for those gardeners who are there going, it's really getting beyond a joke. Uh, hopefully things can change very, very shortly. Might get a little bit of rain for today, which could be heavy at times this afternoon. Independent have uh, Jobar, which is a, a suburb of Damascus, where Syrian rebels have been involved in bitter fighting. Now the country's clans are uniting to end the war. Held, the uh, Syria's tribal leaders felt secret talks in Geneva. How you can ever live in some of these war-torn places is totally beyond me. Uh, let young people stay in care until they turn 25, says a children's czar. This is uh, Anne Longfield. And she says that vulnerable young people should be allowed to stay in care until they are 25. Uh, there's also salmon farms that slaughter seals. are going to be named and shamed because they say that the seals eat their salmon, so they have to uh, slaughter them. And uh, there's quite a lot of them. Late 60s, I think, salmon farms were established off the, uh, the Scottish coast. And the reason is it brings cheap salmon to the masses. That's what people want. When it comes to the you know, push and shove, people just want cheap food. And so salmon now is cheaper, pound for pound, than fish fingers. Don't wait, but probably kids like fish fingers. I think they make salmon fish fingers as well. Uh, Eurozone fury on the front of the Times as Greece fails to offer new bailout plans. Tax cuts for the middle classes. First Tory budget since 1996, aiming to ease <coughs> the pain of austerity. The Hebridean march of the badly... Why is it billionaires? Russian can't dress for toffee. Roman Abramovich, I mean, I've seriously never seen such a badly dressed person in my entire life. These people dress properly. They've got one here, Eugene... Schwiedler. Schwiedler? Best friend and business partner. He's got a fortune of about um, 1.6 billion. And there's another one here. 
who's uh, a police officer in the Ukrainian city of Kharkiv, a former owner of the football team, Metalist Kharkiv. He's worth £600 million. How do you amass this kind of money? The BBC rehearsal of the Queen's death led to the Twitter gaffe, which we know about, and the kids' company in the spotlight. An audit found significant cash flow problems but didn't raise concerns. Now they've said that uh, Camilla, who's overseen the transformation of this uh, charity, um, has got to step down. She's got to step down, uh, otherwise no more funding. Simple as that. They've said it's not been managed properly. Uh, the Daily Telegraph, they're talking about Osborne to cut 40 pence tax, which is, uh, which is what we're expecting. I think gradually over the, uh, over the last few, few sort of weeks, I suppose, especially in the last week, there's been all sorts of things being talked about. And, um, and I think that this, this windfall for the middle earners could save £1,300 a year in budget windfall. That'll benefit about 800,000 people, which is good. Uh, Steve, I start at 11 at night and finish at 11, says Kevin. I wouldn't work days if you paid me double. You see, there are people... I don't love the way that some sort of people, they always say, oh, you know, the graveyard shift. Well, we've proved that audience is bigger on the graveyard shift. And somebody says here, Steve, love working nights, no traffic, plenty of time to get things done during the daytime. Uh, Francisco says, what about the chance of Mind Your Language coming back? <gasps> that really was dated. That really was a dated television programme. You must, you must check it out, actually. You must check it out. It's quite interesting. Uh, the new BT8500 phone cuts all the unwanted calls from my home immediately, says Christine. See? It can be done, ladies and gentlemen. Listen, that's just about it for this morning. It's going to be a very busy day. Uh, not just on LBC. I think it's going to be busy for everybody in London as we cope with the tube strike later on. If you keep tuned to LBC, we'll make sure we get you there and, uh, and get you home without any disruption so we can smile and go, we did it all by ourselves with a little help from LBC. And the budget, it'll be covered extensively on LBC today. We'll have, we'll have analysis from, uh, from Theo Usherwood and uh, a cast of thousands, ladies and gentlemen, who will tell you just exactly what you're going to get what you're not going to get and what you could be looking forward to. Nick will be talking about the budget. Also, as Boris makes a welcome return to the radio, you can ask the Mayor and Conservative MP any question you fancy. Paper reviewer today, the former MP for Enfield North. Always like seeing him, always got a smile on his face. And advising London mayoral contender, Zach Goldsmith. Nick Dubois will be here. I'll be back with you tomorrow morning. Thank you for all your texts and emails. Record number again today. Thank you very much indeed. Always nice to hear from you. I'll be back again tomorrow morning from four. Don't forget you can listen to LBC whenever and wherever you like by downloading the LBC app. And if you miss